Cheers to the new staff photographer. I just got lucky. This is so wonderful for you. Well, you might want to tell JJ to uh, make a little more wall space. <laughs> morning. It's a beautiful day, huh? What was it you said? I'll never get that picture. There's your hero. Huh. I never thought he'd really do that. See? Right there. You made a judgment call. You gotta see it as it is. It's funny you should say that, because I was looking through some old photos and it looks very, uh, similar. Okay. <laughs> well, I need to get back to work. You're trash, Brock. Excuse me? Your picture's a fake. Oh, Parker, you are such a boy scout. When are you gonna give a guy a break? You want forgiveness? Get religion. What's going on here? Are you guys all right? <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're just horsing around. episode 187 of Do You Expect Us to Talk? I'm Becca and as always joined by fellow co-hosts Chris and Dave. How are you both? Good evening folks. I don't know about you but I like to get my revenge uh, by uh, eating pie and giving them a cheeky wink before disappearing randomly. <laughs> That's the best way to do it. Oh it's so good. Not for oozing your way into some kind of symbiotic host type creature. Yeah. I, ju- I just love this film's definition of evil. Uh, and there's some logical messes in this. Didn't, didn't he eat fruit at one point, Chris? It must right. be a fruity it's corner in there somewhere. It's got to be a fruity corner in this film somewhere. And, and sub-question, do we count the fruit in a pie? So if he's eating, like, you know, blueberry pie or something, would that count? Does it count? Part of the, would it count for the fruit? Does it count? I think, I think it does when you randomly disappear... And but so obviously means you don't pay, you don't pay for it. You just burn it off. I think that, that's right. technically evil, isn't it? I suppose so. It's technically illegal, but then technically so, stealing. So are certain parking violations, but I don't expect supervillains to be <laughs> don't, strategies I, on it. I kind of want to see like the 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 waitress reaction of like seeing like you know I've seen like a. Uh, James Franco just like sort of like sit in the, co- sit in the corner sort of like giggling to him going, <laughs> yeah this film's very, I really don't like James Franco in this film but I think a lot of that is just I don't like the actor very much but he's yeah. a lot more Franco in this than he does go full Franco has, than, he? than in the, the other film especially when he's all like my best friends but he gets all he yeah. gets hit in the head and he's all oh it's all soap opera for a bit we'll get to it Spider-Man 3, um, 
I this was back in the day I was reading the Empire magazines and all the rest of it and I mean I see reviews around now but I don't seek them out in the same way really you know occasionally I'll read a few sometimes I'll write one on something and then never before but sometimes after I've written it I'll just go and see how in tune I am with opinion and stuff like that but back then I was actually reading full reviews Rotten Tomatoes was a thing uh, and this just wasn't scoring that well. But it wasn't scoring ter- It was scoring like a bad blockbuster, where in a series where the other entries are, tend to be quite good. We've seen this before. Uh, Phantom Menace is sat on 62, 64%, something like that. Uh, when a, when a, a weaker Bond film comes out, it scores around there. It, it's almost like you can't believe something bad's come out in this series. So people... Most, you know, a, a high number of reviewers will sort of say, "Well, it was all right, I suppose." And it then you, okay. read, you read between the lines, and it's clearly not very good. It's that like three star rating, isn't it? You read in Empire or whatever it is, and it's yeah, that they kind don't of like give it three stars. It, there, there, there's, there's there's two types of like you know, three star rating. There's like yeah, yeah. three stars. It was, it, it was all right actually. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, rather enjoyed it. Three stars. It's like uh, yeah, well. Yeah. yeah, three stars out of six. You think, oh, but yeah, no, Empire said that. Yeah, yeah still it's, smart, still exciting. It's exactly. good, I guess. Mm. Yeah. So it was quite clear. It was very like reviews for something like Spectre, um, and it was just quite clear we weren't seeing anything special. And my heart sank because they announced it was going to be mm. Venom. Venom was a bit of a thing. Yeah, it's a big fan favorite. Uh, yeah, huge fan favorite. In fact, I watched not all of it, but I watched some of the symbiote um, episodes of the '90s show. Um, there's three of them and I watched most of the first one um, the other day and it's just better I mean I'm not in in love with that version of Spider-Man particularly but it's just so much smart smart more smartly plotted Uh, the 90s seemed to be a pretty good time for animated superhero Uh, yeah it seems to be quite a lot of it wasn't there yeah I I mean well Batman the animated series obviously and not long after that was the animated Superman series the X-Men one Yes, that's yeah, a lot of nostalgia value there. So, but it's not just nostalgia. I'd argue they're actually pretty good. Oh god, yeah, no, uh, X Men is probably one of my favourites back in the day. So, yeah, I mean, the, but that version of Batman is a lot of people's Batman. Mm, it just is. Definitely, that's a big go-to. Um, I, I've got some issues with it. I don't love it as much as some people, but it, it is solid. And you see the whole Rogues Gallery several times. You have some really, I mean, something like Heart of Ice is brilliant. You go and see the the Mister Freeze episodes of of the Batman the Animated Series, they're, they're terrific. And I think this series equivalent was the Symbiote one, which I don't think it's called that. I can't remember what the episode's called now. Uh, but it's a three... I said it was a three-parter last week, and I, I thought afterwards, was it more than that? And I looked, and it is a three-parter. And they're about 20 minutes episode, so you're talking about an hour, which is it's not bad to tell a story, particularly one for ki- primarily aimed at kids. Certainly the Superman Animated Series, I thought, was was really good. It had a t- It was influenced... A little bit by the Batman series and in turn Fleischer. They were both sort of influenced by Fleischer. Um, so it was really disappointing. But th- then I heard Sandman was going to be in it. And I can't remember the Sandman episodes if there were any of the animated series. Maybe I didn't see them. Maybe there weren't any. But it's not a character I knew that well. Um, and then it said it was going to be Thomas Hayden Church. And I'd just seen him in Sideways. Uh-huh. I think Which that's you... how he got the role. He was literally, he was, they kind of, you know, he'd obviously just come out of that film, 
and the, you know the, the directors and producers and filmmakers were like in sideways he's the one. He carries he carries a similar energy in sideways to somebody like ben mendelson when he's not playing evil yeah um, he's not typecast as the villain in fact there's even a passing resemblance to the way someone like ben mendelson looked in um that bloodline series i've mentioned a few times oh yeah that was a good show uh it was very slow but the first season is is good and it's a really pretty show with a really good cast as well but it, you stop after the first series it's not worth it after that but what a cast i mean it's just a really really good cast for a television show but um so i i, I just thought well i don't know about this then i heard harry was going to make the full turn to evil and i just thought three villains in and of itself isn't necessarily a death knell but it's not positive particularly as a character like venom really needs setting up so i was worried about this um what about you guys not you know just before you went to see it and so on uh becca what, what, what? yeah i'm just trying to remember um, it was a long time ago now um Hmm. <laughs> I, I I remember being like excited like with everyone else or at least like intrigued of what what they were gonna do. I mean, I remember like the, the rumors flying about like uh, it was like Topher Grace was cast and there was like and I couldn't see it like as Eddie Brock. Really? Well, I I'm, I remember particularly at the time they hadn't confirmed it was Eddie Brock, but yeah. there, there, there 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 were rumors. But then like there there was always talk about them being free villains, um, and and there was like oh. Well, I can remember it's like sort of there's some sort of it might have been before Sandman, uh, it, it was now but it was like I heard someone suggest like a chameleon, as like you know he could be like uh, like the the opposite to to Peter and try and like sort of get in get in sort of like his private life a bit more and sort of manipulate him that way, uh, but I don't know it was uh, I I remember there being excited it was it's definitely excitement because it was Venom. There was also a bit of... I remember being a bit uh, curious to see how they were going to do it. But I was generally like excited because I, obviously I remember the second films and being like, yeah, they were pretty good. Um, and then and, and, and this should be quite, like, quite epic. So it was like, I, I remember seeing it like, you know, opening opening day, like sort of a midday. It was a hot summer day as well. So I remember just roasting my car and driving back away home. But... Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, I just remember my excitement and being kind of very disappointed on the way back. Uh, yeah. That's one of those be... things that kind of it was like the summer. What well, was the movie of two thousand and seven? Wasn't it? I think it, at the time, or for for a time, it was like certainly in the US, it was like the highest grossing film of that yeah, year. Just, I am going to look it up actually because I want to. I was, or at least one of the highest grossing films of that yeah, year. Yeah, no, I just want to remind US myself what else was that year. I think Ratatouille was that year. Um, so I, I don't think it was one of the very biggest Pixar films. You had Transformers, uh, right? Transformers. You had, you had. Uh, this is the highest. These are the highest grossing films of 2007. I'll read from sort of top to bottom. I the highest, uh, and this is worldwide gross. Uh, so the top grossing film of the year was Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, mm-hmm, of course, which was unwatchable fucking dreck. <laughs> um, but major, is I, I'm pretty sure that was the one I got about 40 minutes through and went, fuck it. Mind you, it might have been the second one. This movie. Second highest grossing film uh, is Harry Potter in the Order of the Phoenix, oh, which course, I, yes. I would argue is one of the lesser Harry Potter films. Yeah. Uh, then you got this one. Uh, 
then you've got Shrek the Third, which is not a good Shrek film. Then you've got Transformers, which is the best Transformers film, but that's not saying much. Oh dear. Then you've got Ratatouille, which again, I quite like Ratatouille, but and, and we will do Pixar, not in terms of quality, but in terms of size, reputation, everything. It's kind of lesser Pixar. Uh, I am Legend, which you know isn't really forgettable. Had its ending Sorry, changed Wilson. after a test screening, which tells you everything. Then you had the Simpsons movie. Yeah. Uh, National Treasure Book of Secrets. So the sequel to a fucking, you oh know. The sequel to a ride. Office. I've never watched it. To be <laughs> it was based on a ride. I've never watched it. I'm not fond of Nicolas Cage. And I just thought it looked like him just like, you know, money. It's probably like the most family-friendly um, film he's ever made. Number 10 was 300. So I would sure, argue but... this is not a great year. I don't know what, what you guys think of that. Classic that year is for not, film. That is not you a classic year. You had Born Ultimatum, you had uh, There Will Be Blood, No Country for Old Men, that that was like... Yeah, although having yeah, said so that, most of the last really two... Simpsons movie, movie. Like the, Simpsons. On, the last two, you, the last two you just mentioned, we didn't get till 2008, because it was in the following oh, years. Oh, right, yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, I'm talking about summer, really. I mean, there were some good films. Hot Fuzz? Hot Fuzz was out earlier in the year. Yeah. Born Ultimatum. Yeah. Uh, 13. Sweeney Todd. I don't know when that, I can't remember when that was released. I think that was earlier in the year as well. I went to see that. It was um, awful. Oh, <laughs> it was a film. Uh, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. might be one of the... In stage musical of the same name. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, which may be one of the worst films I've ever seen on the big screen. Mm. Uh, Norbit. Would, oh, uh, would would argue that one probably the, the tail end um, of his career. Uh, uh, in the autumn, you had Three Ten to Yuma, the mm. remake. Mm. Had uh, that had Glenn Ford, Clark Kent's dad, in the original, in the Russell Crowe role. Mm. Uh, Darjeeling Limited, uh, Resident <laughs> Evil Extinction, Alien uh, V Predator. That was the third, yeah, God Almighty. So they were like every year. And were, um, were... Stardust, which is a film deployed, in... which is amazing. You must I see did, it. I, I didn't do didn't do well, but I always really like it. I mean, I, I quite Absolutely. like Matthew Vaughan. Must I, be seen I, by everybody. I, yeah. I seen to like all his films, really. Um, Who was it? Uh, Matthew Vaughan. Oh yeah. right. Yeah, it, it was his follow up from Layer Cake, and he did this like weird sort of. Um, Fantasy. Yeah, I know. I, I know based of on the it. Neil Gaiman book. I, mm-hmm. I know of it. That's got um, Michelle Pfeiffer, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, yeah. Gone, really gone, uh, ben Affleck made his directorial debut this year with Gone Baby Gone. Um, there's plenty of decent films this year. Oh, That's God, not that what I'm saying. Well? Oh, I'm just saying. I'm, just, I'm, I'm literally talking about like blockbuster season. It's not that strong a year. Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of sequels and remakes again, isn't it? Juno. No, starring, I don't. Starring the woman. Yeah, you know what? This referred to as. I I remember that like this was the year where like there was lots of like sequel like third sequels. So yeah, mm-hmm. Pirates of the Caribbean three, Spider Man three, uh, Rush Hour three. Um, what else? There, there, there was there was another one as well. I'm sure. Born Ultimatum. That was Shrek, Shrek three. Shrek three. Yeah. Uh, Ocean's thirteen. Yeah, which is the third film for anyone who's not seen yeah. that series. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there yeah. seems to be like loads of like third movies. Yeah, and they would, and, and most of them were disappointing. Uh, but the Bourne Ultimatum, I, I need to watch again. But it seemed, I seem to remember that coming out just fine. Mm. But uh, it, 
some of these series, their second entry was the strongest. Or at least in public consciousness as the strongest, because my memory of the Bourne series is I like identity mm. best. But certainly the supremacy was the one that really caught the public's imagination. And then um, next year you had Iron Man and The Dark Knight. Oh, <laughs> and, yes. well, and Indiana Jones 4. That was clearly a good year for cinema. But we won't um, talk about Indiana um, Jones what, sorry? Indiana Jones. But it apart from that. Yeah, the fourth in the trilogy. And The Spirit. Who could forget The Spirit? The Spirit oh, was one of the but... most disappointing cinema experiences I've ever had, only because it's really, really terrible, but it just about picks up enough in the second half to avoid being, like, legendarily terrible. <laughs> it's a bad film. It's a really, really bad film. Because I remember sitting with my father last couple of years of his life. I was at his house, and he was talking about worst films he'd ever seen. And when people talk about the worst films they've ever seen... They normally haven't seen that many films. They'll name something really mainstream and a bit disappointing. Yeah, it's like it's like the commode thing, isn't it? So it's like saying you've not seen like you know had to sit through films like Rod Suckers from Mars, that kind of uh, thing. No, no, no. I sit through, like Trump and, Two and things like that. You know, he said, my dad said, because he'd had a terrible experience with Quantum of Solace, so he mentioned Quantum of Solace, and he had Sky Movies at the time, and I said. I can't be certain, but I'm pretty sure if I switch on your skybox now, I could find a film starting within the next hour that's worse than Quantum of Solace. Hmm. And I turned it on in about five minutes' time, the spirit started. Oh, I went, there it is. <laughs> I went, there you are. I promise you faithfully that is worse than Quantum of Solace. And of course, it's, <laughs> he shut up after that. And he was like, yep, that's the worst film no, I've he, seen. To, to be fair to him, he didn't start getting all defensive. And no, he went, no, I'm not free. Ooh. He was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Point taken. <laughs> um, but yeah this, this film I, it was just one of those years where everything was a disappointment and then at the end of the year and come, going into the Oscar season it was a really strong year um, but yeah this was a poor summer season it followed up a poor summer season the previous year as well um, I'm trying to think when the next really good year was yeah I suppose it would be the following year Dark Knight Iron Man etc yeah and 20, I think 2011-2012 was fairly strong year as well but in terms of oscars just in terms of like critical success but in terms of like oscars then maybe not yeah it depends every year's a mixed bag but i having just read but it was especially about, mixed bag yeah, <laughs> this this was all over the place um i've just realized uh off air we were talking about next week's film so i've caught i've, I've called up the synopses of the wrong film yeah <laughs> i need to find spider-man quite similar. you've got like spider-man and you've got like the amazing spider-man but it's like the amazing spider hyphen man well you know that it spider-man should always have a hyphen in it yeah uh, it does annoy me when i see people write it wrong it was one of the big things stan lee said when he was like yeah it must be hyphen he said it's got to be a hyphen. He said first the main reason is actually to distinguish it from like Superman and things like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah Spider Man, um, Batman, Superman. They didn't. It's not like super hyphen man, bat hyphen man. No, it's not. But, but it's then spider- obviously you've got yeah. in, in the Batman kind of universe you've got man bat as well, and that is like ban hyphen bat. Yeah, that's uh, Charlie was watching that the other night because it's the second episode of uh, Star uh, the Batman the animated series is the man bat episode. Yeah, I need to catch that. It's only because I've been playing the Lego games. It's really dark, actually. Uh, it, it was the first sign that wasn't just for kids. Oh, uh, Mamba is kind of not unlike the lizard as a villain, really. 
No, they do seem similar to me. Just because I, I, that's, that's the only I know just started through the game. So just in terms of like you know scientists experimenting on something and it going wrong it and this wrong. metamorphosis now and again, but more on the lizard next week. Um, so Spider Man Three. Um, uh, yeah, opening thoughts. I I think I'd like to sort of get to the detail fairly quickly. It, Let's do it. We've, we've covered. No, we will do opening thoughts, but I I don't want to say a massive amount at this stage. I think. I've seen worse, you know. When people talk about this film, you you think it was a Batman and Robin or something, and, and so bad it was almost like a campy fun or something. It's just a mess. That's the problem. It doesn't look like anyone's hearts in it, and all the negatives about the first two films, like the Peter Mary Jane relationship and Toby McGuire's bloody crime, it's just more so in this film. Um, there were rumours, and I, I think two things really backed this up. But Sam Raimi's almost admitted it, really. That he, Firstly, Sam Raimi's almost sort of said he dropped the ball on this film. But the studio wanted Venom. Sam Raimi wanted... Sam Raimi, as a Silver Age fan, wanted the Vulture. And he wanted the Vulture... Hang on, no, that was Spider-Man 4. Sorry, my mistake, listeners, sorry. He wanted just Sandman as the villain for this. He wanted the Vulture in, in a fourth film. And there was talk of it being uh, John Malkovich. Uh, he's he's all was... planned like fourth, fifth and sixth film, hadn't he? He's all planned a whole I don't know. series the, I, out, I think. You're, you're the one with all the facts. But um, when he did four, they got it got announced for 2011. They got a certain way with it and then it just got abandoned because Sam said... I don't really have a story here. So that makes me unsure that he had a plan. I, but, I, I heard of an epic opening for it that sounded like really, he, really good. He, he prob- I, I haven't heard of that. Uh, uh, it, I think what, if, was... what it was, what I've heard is like it was going to be like a little bit of a, it'll start with like a bit of a montage where you'd see like like a lot of the classic villains getting caught. So it would be like, you know, brief sort of encounters where you get like a sweet snap. Uh, Snapshot of like you know like maybe maybe like turns like Rhino and things like that, you know and, and Spider Man defeating them and then it'll cut with like him bringing Mysterio in and it turned out to be Bruce Campbell. I thought like what a great way to open up the fourth film. Actually, I, I that rings a bell. Bruce Campbell as Mysterio rings a bell, but yeah. I feel like that's the only bit I read. But he but he said that he, he didn't have an idea, which tells me a couple of things. Firstly. Firstly, I don't think he had a plan, but I'm willing to be told different. Um, but secondly, it tells me that he really wasn't satisfied with with three in that he almost wanted a fourth to wipe away because three was such a bad way to go out that he signed to do it without even considering whether he had anything there to do. Um, it's just a mess. I mean, the Venom character gets forced on him, we believe, that that's hearsay, but the end result is certainly evidence of it. And he takes a character I was excited for, and gives it so little time and so little understanding of what made the character work. He did the right thing, bonding it to Peter first, but there's an awful lot of happenstance about all of that anyway. Mm. Um, it doesn't make for an interesting design in the black suit on him. It just looks like his regular suit's been painted black apart from the eyes. Um, when it goes on to like 
Eddie. Eddie Brock is is again. What is it with Sam Raimi casting like whiny men in this? <laughs> because Eddie Brock is a bit of a fucking bruiser in the in, in my memory. I think it's kind you of because Sophie Grace is probably more well to me anyway, sort of known for being in like that seventies show, um, and more seen, sort of like comedic for like there. romantic roles. So. Topher Grace is not a bad actor. No, he's, he's quite good. But just in this, I kind of feel a little bit like, you know, it, I, I prefer Tom Hardy. He's doing what, what he was hired for. I'll yeah. go with, I'm going to go with uh, probably the unpopular opinion of the episode. Um, I actually don't mind Topher Grace as Eddie Brock, even, as an idea as well, particularly. I think a lot of, like, you know, the, the, the common opinion is, you know, as you say, Dave, he's a, he's a big bruiser, and that's how he is in the comics. But I like the idea of him kind of being like 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 a parallel opposite to Peter. Do, do you know? Do you know what I mean? I don't I don't mind that as an idea, and I think that's. Kind I have of like... to say one thing that backs you up, and that's only that I've got to be careful how far I go with this. It's not like the comics because a I get very pissed off on social media where someone who doesn't read comics expresses an opinion, and then someone piles in with you obviously don't read comics. Uh, but also, we're going to do the X-Men series one day, which takes a massive shit over the comics, and I'm not going to care because I wasn't into the comics. So the familial relationships all being different and who's evil and what characters they did justice and what ones they didn't, utterly you, irrelevant. You can enjoy them without, mm. I think, you know, it's, well, it's that, the same. That's not Wolverine. He's the definitive Wolverine, and yet that is very little like the comic Wolverine. He's, he's literally he's made the part his own, really. I can't imagine anybody else playing that role. Well, they wouldn't play his version, would they? Well, no, now, but you know what I mean, though. <laughs> you might get a comic book one with a... Well, I know, um, what's he called? Threw his hat into the ring as wanting to do it, Taron Edgerton. Oh, yes, that's true. And when you think Wolverine in the comics is a little short-ass, that might work. <laughs> you can make him look taller, uh, it's fine. Uh, no, I didn't mean that as an insult. I mean, that, <laughs> that's correct. Get a slightly diminutive guy to do it. You'd probably go for more gruff character actor the, um, next time round and be a bit more like like the comic I would have thought because you can't just can't just like go for charming handsome leading man the, the next time around no, no. it's been done you Jackman but did more, it but more on that in about four or five series time mm. um, it's coming on soon list. yeah coming soonish soonish to your um, you. we've got a couple of we've got a few in the way but it's definitely there and it's not that far down the line um, but I think there's a lot of name checking in this because the Gwen Stacy's in this and it's not really Gwen Stacy. Um, physically, it might sort of be, but that's it. Everyone now is looking ridiculously too old. I mean, even Bryce Dallas Howard's about 26 here. And again, she looks it. She doesn't pass for a teenager in any way, shape or form. Um, Peter is really fucking irritating in this film. Mary Jane is really unlikable in this film. The villains are wasted. The, the Sandman is incredibly one-dimensional. Um, and it's just a mess. But we've seen worse. So we, I think we are going to give this film a bit of a kick in tonight. But it's by far the worst of the three. It's one of the worst Spider-Man films. I think we've got at least one worse that's to come. But the mm. one that's to come that's worse... I actually enjoyed more on first viewing. Uh, when I watched it again, it utterly fell apart. But um, but Spider-Man 3 is a mess, and it's a sad end to Sam Raimi's involvement with the series. Um, that's all I really want to say at the outset. What about you guys as sort of opening thoughts? 
Becca, what are your thoughts? Yeah, what is my thoughts? Um, what do I my brain? Um, yeah, so I probably saw this film from release, um, and it's fair to say I haven't seen it since. Um, I was probably one of those people who kind of came out thinking, oh, it's okay, ultimately a disappointing ending to what could have been a, a great series. Um, but yeah, watching it again um, for this, um, this episode this evening, it was kind of by turns hilarious and dire. Um, I think it kind of has those sort of problems where <laughs> this is going to sound really stupid, but like if there's, if there's lots of lots of writers, lots of fingers in the pies, the ideas get quite muddled. Um, there, there are some really, you know, it's not all bad. It's kind of when we were sort of initially talking about it, we kind of thought, oh, you know, this is probably going to be like the worst film in the series for me, as anyway. But you know, there are kind of pockets of light and some really, you know, really interesting character moments. Um, but generally, for me, I just I think I can't. Is it the yeah? They make the second Amazing Spider-Man film. It kind of suffers from for being too busy. There's a lot going on. Obviously, you've got the duality between Venom and, and Spider-Man, um, and the whole kind of Venom's backstory and where he comes from. Um, and also, you've got Sandman as well, where he comes from. Or, 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 and you've also kind of got like the the love triangle um, as well. It just it. <laughs> I struggle because it packs so much in. Um, and the film is already, I think it's two hours 20 or something, so it's the longest in, in this trilogy, certainly. It's too um, long. Just a little bit too long, but oh. it's, it's quite busy and there's, there's, there's quite a lot of unfocused, unfocused energy. Um, and there's just, just, just a lot going on, really. You could chop half of it out and, you know, you'd be left with a much better film. Um, I've, I've actually That's my review and a summary. I've actually made a few, like, uh, throughout... Uh, Usually, what I do for you know when we view these films, I kind of like make notes as I'm watching, and it is mostly ah. for like talk through the film sequentially. So I kind of make like a almost okay. like a like are you organised? No, it's hand because we we do get stuck on where we are sometimes. So, yeah. it's, 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 I don't so, so I kind of like bullet point like you know the scenes kind of thing, <laughs> kind of like so this scene's there and then you know like that, and I've actually sort of like did a few time time codes. So ah. like and. And one of them is when the symbiote actually attaches to Peter's suit, as in, like, probably one of the key plot points of the film. We're an hour in. We're an hour in the film. And you're thinking, oh, like, for any logical story of doing the Venom, this needs to be your first plot point. This needs to happen yeah, like, in the first really early like, on in the film. You know, this is, like, an hour in already, you know, and he's already kind of, like... Dealing with Sandman and you know there's the stuff. And yeah, you know, how much time do we waste stuff on with Harry. conversations exactly. with Rosemary Harris and stuff? You know, and like uh, beautiful scenes. Ha- but Har- ha- Harry and MJ. But, but Dave, it's like even even in that regard, like you know, San, you know, he, he actually has a first clash with Sandman, actual Sandman, fifty minutes in the film. Do you know what I mean? It's. I'm interested to remind myself what happens in the first fucking. Do you know what, do you, do you know what I mean? It it it, it yeah. does, it does just there's just so much in this film, and I think they don't know what to do with Sandman either because he just floats off at the end. Well, he's there to. He survives. The pop. The thing with Sandman is the whole thing is meant to be like the full Peter arc. You know, it all brings everything together about you know Uncle Ben. It wasn't you know he's really Uncle Ben's killer, but. End of the day, he's not such a bad guy, you know. I mean, they, they, they kind of read con it, con it because they kind of like treats, you know, in in the flashback memory, he kind of like hugs Uncle Ben out, and he's like a doddery old man. He's like, oh, 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 okay, I'm just getting out the car. What's going on? And you know, it's a bit. It doesn't seem that 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure Uncle Ben in the first one wasn't like that doddery, that sort of like... I was going to say, he aged... I noticed it in the, in the little cameo he's got in the second one, in the dream sequence. I noticed mm. he looked a touch older there. By this one, he actually looks... He looks about 20 years older than in the... Now, I might be exaggerating there, but he looks significantly older than in the first film, doesn't he? I, I, yeah, so that, that might well be the case, but I, I don't know. It kind of felt like they played it that way to kind of for the scene itself. The sympathy, do you think? Yeah, the, kind of the, thing. You know, so he kind of like he kind of like you know, he kind of like just goes and sort of a, opens the door and just says, "Oh, oh, oh, okay, man, don't worry. You're just you know, I'm just lifting you out. Oh, there you go. Not not to worry. Do you know what I mean? It just felt a bit too uh, redconned for what actually happened." Um, and I don't know. I kind of it, it, it's a it's a funny thing when it comes to like these type of things because I don't think because next next week you know the thing about superheroes and like well particularly with like vigilante should we say you know uh, I'm gonna sort of mention a film that's probably never that probably can't uh, doesn't get often mentioned in terms of Spider Man particularly in something like this film Death Wish right. Now that film gets like the vigilante crime fighting thing mindset right, as in something horrible happened to him. He doesn't know who did it, so therefore he goes out on the street. Just crime is the enemy, because if he knows who did it, then it'd be a straight up revenge story. Do you know what I mean? So there, there, there's there's something that the the next week film, next week Spider Man gets right in terms of like the killing of Uncle Ben. He never does find the guy. You know, he goes out looking for him because he's just fighting random people, trying hoping to find him, but he never eventually finds him. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. I mean, the film doesn't handle it that well in that it kind of unceremoniously drops that point in a strange way. Yeah, I, that's I a bit think, odd. I don't, but you, you kind of it, it was a, it was a decent idea. So, yeah. I mean, I, I suppose in in this in, in uh, to be fair to the first mo- movie, it's kind of why well, he finds him and he ends up like you know kill himself so to speak this time around kind of bit undermines that it kind of just a bit i don't like the idea of uncle ben's killer being like oh well it was just an accident because it just kind of like undermines the need for spider-man do you know what i mean if it was like if all just thought it was just a big big misunderstanding i don't know yeah i don't know it's probably it, an it argument doesn't for really it, but... work either because he's begging for like mercy in the first film and if this had ever been plotted out which it wasn't obviously you would have I didn't shoot him. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, it, it's just it's just a mess. It's a soap opery mess. And, and in some respects, I felt a bit sorry that for, for Andrew Garfield in the next iteration that he didn't get a trilogy. But on the other no, hand... No, he's kind of left a bit lacking is, there, wasn't he? This, this is evidence that, like, if you don't have one to tell and you don't have it, like, properly figured out, it does become a soapy mess. You know... They ha- they want Harry to be a villain, but they still need him to have some time with Peter. So they they go with that silly plot point, which it is like American daytime soap opera. It's like you know Mary Jane's pregnant, but only one of them is Peter's. It's, <laughs> we, we 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 went through this with the Fast franchise for weeks. Yeah, it's, it's a really badly plotted film. Yeah, I mean, and and, and also the, you know Sandman himself is just. Raimi has, in terms of his villains, he likes to have like his villains as like not all that bad, really. And you know, I mean, I suppose yes, we have Venom, but you know, sometimes I just need a villain to be a bit of a shit. Do you, 
do, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, there's nothing wrong with, like, saying, yeah, all right, it, you know, there is evil out there. Sometimes it's grey. Sometimes it's, like, good people who just who just turn bad or there's... there's there there are good reasons why they why why they go the way they do, but sometimes, but sometimes they're just absolute cunts in the world that just need the shit kicked out of. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're... Yeah, yeah, I know. I I I don't mind it so much when it's methods. Uh, sorry, motivations. Mm. In that, Charlie used to say that a lot. You know, he said it on one of our podcasts. Why can't they just want to rob a fucking bank? <laughs> you well, know? This is it. And I take that's what did last week. You know, he took these bizarre random coins. Stuff. But when the motive is always kind of like a good one, that pisses me off. So in the first film, he's just trying to save his company. In the second film, he's trying to give clean energy to the world. In this one, Sam is only doing it for his daughter. Yeah, he's just trying to get them. Um, it's such a, like sort of like he, 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 says, to, he says to her, "I'm not a bad man. I just have bad luck." And I'm, I think that's mm, yeah, it's, it, it's not it's, bad luck to be holding a, gu- a gun at a pensioner. <laughs> Well, That's yeah, true. Luck. You didn't accidentally do that, did you? I mean, there's this, yeah. We just think, well, there's plenty of people with bad luck. They don't end up robbing and into into a life of crime. Do you know what I mean? There's that's not an excuse. And I yeah. think the film kind of tries to sort of make that a bit more sympathetic. And it's just like, it's, uh, yeah. you know, again, we, you know, we can just have a bad guys. And I think you know, Sam Raimi just likes to make things a bit more like, you know misty-eyed you know he's bit you know the, the sandman yeah yeah so some of it is really good i mean i think he's actually plays it really well but again he's such again he's just such a sad sack he's just like poor me oh well where was know. me and he's you know i just like i just yeah. found i found these films exhausting come the end because we had a mopey fucking spider-man in a relationship that seems to give neither of those twos any fucking pleasure whatsoever. No, he's a bit of a demo and Spider-Man as well, isn't his he? His mate is constantly fucking, you know, slapping him and getting pissed off with him. And then, like, the villain is like... <laughs> and it's just like... Kevin the Teenager. God, there's, there's just no fucking colour in this. It is, it is quite literally the darkest, you know, because a lot of it happens at night. That's and true. you kind of got the, you know... And it's, it's of all the color palettes, it's kind of that this mm. has obviously that more light and shade, obviously, because you kind of deal with Jacqueline Hyde as we see later on in the film. But yeah, literally, this is the probably like the least brightest of the three films. I, I think it's, I think the problem is because there are actually, you know, as I've said at the top of the show, there are good parts of it. I think. Oh yeah, definitely. I think, but and you can, you can kind of tell that because you know, even though we've just sort of complained about how the character of Sadman is. Is again a bit too mopey, but the actual action with Sandman is probably the best parts of the film. You actually sort of feel that come alive, you know. Yeah. Particularly, you know, the 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 moments when he's actually being when he's actually being Sandman is probably think, oh, this is too bad. And I remember like the the first thirty minutes actually flow quite well. It's actually not quite, you know, it's like. It's, I, w- I watched it uh, a few it days ago. It wasn't an immediate disaster. No, yeah, you're thinking I like, actually, this is working all right so far, and but but I know what's coming, and I know what's like, yeah, this is all going to fall apart. So it's all just, I'm just getting out of my watch, thinking, right, when when's yeah. it, when's it all going to get come undone? Um, I have to say, so, uh, we, we were talking. I was talking to a listener of ours a couple of days ago, and Ooh, he hello. enjoyed he enjoyed he enjoyed the Spider Man Two review, but he said. We talked about other things, but it got mentioned at one point. And he said that 
he thought it was a bit harsh. And I actually said to him that we felt it was harsh when we were recording it. Because at the end of the film, we're going, but we quite like it. Actually, we quite liked it. <laughs> and, and it is that, 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 that digging into the detail. I think with this one, I'm going to have a problem with almost every fucking scene. Um, but we'll That's see as we, as we go into it. Shall we discuss this film sequentially, folks? Yes, because we're like 40 minutes in, so we should. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was, um, this was what I was uh, saying. Yes, you can do I it think, inside I two think hours. The first scene of the film, I think, is the Broadway thing, isn't it? Yeah, so we obviously have the um, the main titles, which is all kind of like... Uh, Lazy. Yeah, it's just kind of like recapping the first film again. But with I, I was concerned, though, because I, not to make too much of it, but I'm reading all these three-star reviews about reading between the lines. Mm-hmm. Had there been no other Spider-Man films, <laughs> if that was possible, because obviously things have been set up before this film, it would be a two-star film. When a series is like a four and five star series and you get a bad installment, providing it's somewhat competent, it gets three stars in most places. And um, I went in and as it started and and the familiar music breaks out, you see the webbing. I'm thinking I immediately thought of two and the artwork at the start. And then I'm seeing still photos and I'm thinking, this is this film's just got no. Almost that snap judgment of I'm not sure this film's going to have really any heart. Mm. I mean, yeah, you know, the difference is you see like sort of the the, the symbiote kind of go on the web. Really, that's about it. Yeah. So go. Um, but it starts with like, a, hey, me, it's Spider-Man. You know, this kind <laughs> I'm of like super popular. And yeah, he's so he's, he's getting blown he's, by the residents of New York. His 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 life's like kind of like he's he's able to sort of like manage his life a bit better now. Uh, he's kind of enjoy, enjoying life as Spider-Man, um, as he was at this time. Um, and you sort of see Gwen. You get interested to Gwen at, at, at lecture, you know, he's, he's going to... So he's like kind of recapping for you. He's having a better time of time of it now. Um, yeah. We go to, you know, see M- M- MJ. She's she's at, she's she's doing a Broadway thing. Uh Harry's at the theatre looking a bit devious, as if sort of like sitting and like, ooh, I'm, pl- I'm plotting something evil. Just you wait. Wasn't he wearing a green bow tie as well? Was I think he might be. Film? Yeah, it, there's some foreshadowing in it. There it is. Um, what made me... Uh, all I really want to say about this whole um, Mary Jane on Broadway thing is how does a show get to opening night on Broadway before you realise, like, the main lady's shit <laughs> because I just let's, let's be honest Kirsten Dunst you know, we're quite surprised at the fact that oh my god she can sing oh, well, um, I, well no I would say quite the opposite Kirsten Dunst's singing voice sounds like her speaking voice set to music was that actually her though I, can't, I think it was it actually was her, her. It? It yeah was she her. wasn't dubbed or anything like that no she wasn't dubbed and no. I didn't actually think she was terrible right she, I mean when I say it sounds like a speaking voice I just mean it's not particularly special but in universe, this is not a very good performance. Her, her voice isn't carrying and it gets bad reviews. And I'm thinking, how do you get that far to go on Broadway, which is one of the two most prestigious places to perform on stage in the world? And you're sacked after one night. And we do hear the replacement rehearsing a couple of days later. And she's like, really good. It's just like, it's just ill thought through. So, so in the last film, right? She was a hit, wasn't she? 
Because the, the, she the was film... a model. She was, was a, she model. a model. I thought I thought she was well, like she was in plays, wasn't she? Um, yes, yeah, she was. She was an aspiring actress, but she the only time we saw evidence of her success was. Um... Oh no, she was. She was on stage because he yeah. didn't turn up. She was at the empty seat. Yeah. But so, that wasn't mus- that wasn't musical theatre, and okay. we don't know if that was Broadway so, yeah. or opera. So, 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 so there has been a difference because one that's one of the things I was like been a bit confused with because she was she was like obviously sort of getting like sort of getting regular work. Get you know, she was on billboards and things like that. Yes. And and like. But that's modeling. That was an advert for jewellery or whatever. And okay, because this film kind of treats treats like this role as a big break, and now she's ruined. Do you know what I mean? It's just it just felt like, hang on, hang on. You, you were yeah. working before this. You were I, like I don't know. I don't know how New York is set out in terms of its theatre life, because she's in she's she's noted as being on Broadway this time, um, whereas before she was on stage in New York somewhere. But I don't know if that's Broadway. That that could have been something else entirely. I've no real idea. But she's fired like immediately because that was her opening night. And I'm thinking, well, if it's a Broadway show, you work and you've got tourists from all over the world attending these things. You you kind of surely work out if your leading lady's up to it or not before the opening night. Yeah. And and, and because you've used Kirsten Dunst's real voice, which is serviceable, she's not a bad singer per se. No, but good. I don't. But I don't think she's a singer either. Um, well, she's bring out that album. But well, I remember getting to see this like, with some group of friends, film, and we were like, "Wow, she can sing!" She, yeah, but she's got like a pretty average singing voice. And later on, we're going to see her replacement, who sounds like a professional singer. <laughs> the gap between them in quality is quite marked. But anyway, Peter sat there looking fucking cheesily amazed and loving it, <laughs> and repeating her lines and all that. Mm. Great. Um, yeah, so yeah, he, he, him and um, Harry having a character outside. He's like, you know, he doesn't want to know. And then she go, then he goes back and meets MJ, and she's like, "What's a, you know, what what's what's going on between you guys?" And he what says like, "What what deceiving hatred Harry has for him?" <laughs> I don't yeah. know. It just seems a bit those crazy guys. Well, any subtlety in in Jane yeah. Franco is gone. It, it's ludicrously over the top in this film. Yeah, and um, um, we get a shot of he's using like the the Green Goblin serum now. And yeah, like no, that. they should have done that before he was hearing voices in the last film. Mm. Plus, it all it 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 undermines becoming old buddy, old pal at the end of the film as well. If this serum sends you fucking mental, how he suddenly sees sense later in the film doesn't really work for several reasons. Ha- we'll get to ha- yeah. How that happens is a doozy. Uh... Oh, it's fucking awful. But again, it's just. <laughs> It's just written with no heart. It's just, but we'll come to that. So, yeah, uh, then they go to the park, him and MJ, didn't he? And they um, lay in the bed. Yeah, they're, the they're, they're, you know, they're, they're lying on a web, you know, watching the stars and the symbiote. Uh, Lands right next to his yeah. moped, which is handy. Yeah. The only superhero in the town, and you land right next to him. It's like, you know, I'll, so I'll tell you what, it takes his sweet-ass fucking time to attach, attach it to his suit, seeing it's like... It really it does. Hang, it just hangs out in his apartment for a number of weeks. <laughs> I thought you were going to say hangs out his bum, mother. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't even bother crawling anywhere else or anything, does it? It just sort of... It just goes... It just hangs there. Yeah, it waits till Peter's having, like, a nightmare as well, which then, makes <laughs> it real sense. Uh, okay, so um, Flint Marco has escaped from prison. 
and that lovely green see... t-shirt yeah that's comic accurate i was gonna say yeah that's that's kind of like fairly I just, mm. just, well obviously it's i don't know where the comics but i did a bit of research and oh yes it's the same yeah I mean, he looks the part. He, he he does look the part. As... He does look the part. It took me by surprise actually, because as I say, I'd only really well. I've probably seen him in loads of stuff, but I could only remember him from Sideways, and he's a lot more bulked out in this film, as I recall. Mm. In Sideways, he's got kind of floppy hair, and he, he's a bit. He more... wears a bit longer, doesn't he? So. Yeah, he's just. I don't know. I thought he was a slimmer build, but then I might be conflating him with Ben Mendelsohn. I've not seen that film for quite a few years. I think this kind of um, role, his, you know, is kind of quite. He needs to be sort of physically built up, doesn't he? I think he really is, though. Um, but he goes to see his sick daughter attached to machines. She's got that movie illness where you look totally fine, but you're not very well. <laughs> yeah, they they never pale and vomiting constantly, are they? No. Um, and he's caught by his, I don't know if it's his current wife or his ex-wife. Uh, that's Teresa, what's her surname? Ooh, um... She was best known for a film with Deborah Winger called Black Widow. Uh, hang on, let me look up Black Widow. She, that was mid-80s. She, she was naked in quite a lot of that film. Uh, Black Widow is, hang on, oh, that's her. I've, I've just looked up Black Widow and it's brought up the wrong one. Sorry. Black Widow is 1987 and it she is called Teresa Russell. I, I was quite surprised to see her because it's a really, really small role. Mm. And while she's not a superstar, she sort of flirted with being a leading lady for a period of time. Um, and she sort of did these kind of erotic thrillers for a little while. Yeah. But yeah, her biggest role is probably Black Widow, which is not a bad film. But it, as the title suggests, it's like men dying and she was married to them and that sort of thing. Yeah, basically yeah. the plot of Adam's Family Values. Uh, I've not seen Adam's Family Values. <laughs> but it's basically that where like you know Uncle Fester marries like yeah. uh, Joan Cusack, who's like a Black Widow yeah. type. Although she, I'm pretty sure she was wearing nipple clamps in one scene, and I don't imagine that was in Adam's family values. But no. there you go. Uh, yeah, should have so, been though. But and she, she's furious with him, and he just looks so sad. <laughs> he does. He, I mean, I, I said it before. He's basically just sad sack, and he's just like, oh. Um, it's just like, oh. He says he was wrongly accused. We're going to see the flashback later, and. That's a technicality. I know someone bumped into your fucking arm, but you were holding a gun at an old man, evidently with your finger on the trigger. Mm. I don't think you've got much of a defence here. Hang on, so, so the police caught and arrested him a while ago. And they just escaped five... from prison, and they only sort of decide to tell Peter and... They tell Peter five years later. <laughs> <laughs> They've only just cast someone to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, by, oh, by the way, yeah, by the way, the the, the guys escaped. Oh, we'll, we'll best tell them. What, what do you mean we never told them? Oh shit! Um... Why? Yeah, she says, "Why are you only telling us this now?" And he doesn't get an answer. It's almost <laughs> like we best question it. Uh, James Cromwell is in this film as Captain Stacy Gwen's father. He's he's played by um the comedian Dennis Leary in the next iteration. Mm. Uh, he's really wasted. Considering that's James Cromwell, I can't believe how little he's in the film. Yeah. 
again, it's just an overstuffed film. They they haven't got enough room for him. They've tried to cast decent people everywhere, but um, so anyway, he's you know he, he it's it's all about money with Marco. It, it it's a, it's a, it couldn't happen in this this uh, country a because we don't have skyscrapers for Spider-Man to sort of uh, swing between, but it's a bit like Breaking Bad. We don't have to pay for healthcare in the same way here, so um, yeah, that that allows the plot of this film. So he was only trying to get money for his sixth daughter, Chris. I know. Yeah, with you know, obviously couldn't work for whatever reason. <laughs> no, no, no. Well. I, I... Those machines are expensive, Chris. Um, no, yeah, bad luck. That's what it is. That's bad luck. It's just bad right. luck. I was worried at this point, but the next scene in the film really fucking worried me. Peter going to see Aunt May uh, to tell about proposing to MJ. Yeah. This scene goes on forever, <laughs> and she tells a story that omits no detail. And it reminded me of Alan Partridge. You're laughing at weather, Flynn. <laughs> well, the, the basis is like of, of, of uh, Aunt May basically saying, you know, get only get married if you're ready. Are, are you ready? Yeah. Okay, then. Well, here, here's my wedding ring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> here's the wedding. Here's the engagement ring he gave me. And here's the story about how it happened. And she just tells every fucking detail. And the story's going on and you're like... Uh, did they at no point writing this scene think, Christ, this is a bit fucking boring? <laughs> well, you know, you got like, you know, Toby Maguire looking like really doughy eyed at, at his aunt, you know. Oh, he's he's absolutely transfixed by this story. And at this point, I'm thinking, do I prefer him like this? Because we complained last week. It's like, get your shit together, Pete. And now he's got his shit together. I'm thinking, I preferred him when he was a fucking mess. Because the, the constant cheesy grin in the first quarter of an hour of this film is mental. So he heads back to his apartment. He's heading back on his moped. Mm-hmm. And basically, he's attacked by... Well, it's meant to be a masked figure, but like it, you've never seen a film if you don't know this is Harry. On a kind of skateboard version mm. of the Goblin Glider. Yeah, and it's actually pretty good. I, I, I thought that again, like you know, we're we're slagging the film off, but you know, the film at this point isn't like terrible. It's actually we've just had a terrible scene, but like that would be easily forgiven. And, th- and yeah, th- this actual sort of sequence is actually pretty decent. I did think the effects haven't stood up that well. I think we've regressed a bit from last mm. week. But, I mean, effects are going to age. That that can't be helped to some degree. What did you think, Becca? I sort of I remember going to see them. Obviously, at the time, it was probably like cutting-edge you know, effects. Yeah. Um, but now, many years on, obviously, it does kind of look a little bit jerky. But I, I was later on in the scene, later on in the film, um, so sort of where we kind of see like Sandman sort of born, as it were. Um, I thought those effects were okay. Um, I mean, obviously, the video that I was watching um, was, <laughs> I used the term grainy. Um, no pun intended there. Um, it was, was quite grainy. And also, my screen resolution isn't that high. So it's, it's only like a very middle well, range laptop, so I don't have the yeah. great 4K technology, unfortunately. I mean, I guess... Um, I, but yeah. yeah, I was a bit disappointed by these really early visuals, sadly. I thought the, um, of course, he, so ends, he, ends, up, finger, he ends up getting, yeah, no, he ends up getting um, knocked unconscious, which we'll come back to. But yeah, you're leading on to the it, bit it, where... And also, it's been quite a good actually, but you know, it does end in a proper clang, clong, clong, and you know, I almost expected like sort of like 
floating around his top of his head. It, it's how, it's it's that early Simpsons episode where Homer falls down that gorge after mm. trying to skateboard across it. That's what it is. Yeah, we go on to the birth of the Sandman. They're doing a science experiment in the middle of the night, which they don't follow up on at all. And a man gets into there. Yeah, do, 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 do you actually know what actually it is? It's... No idea. <laughs> Something to do with sand. Particle accelerator, it says on the materials I'm looking at now. But I love what they said. I love when they said it must be a bird. And the number of fat bird jokes that went through my head. <laughs> I lost count, really. Must be a fat bird. I, I, I like how these, like, sort of really sort of trains, like, scientists just, just sort of dismiss, like, the slightest yeah, sort of... Like, it's probably a bird. Well, let's disintegrate the fucking thing then. They must know <laughs> yeah. what this thing does. And, and surely that changes the conditions of the test. Science is quite exacting in the way exactly, it does yeah. uh, So he gets disintegrated into the, the sand that this thing's whipping around to do what? We don't know. And he's deteriorated. And we come back to this scene in mm. a bit. But let's jump to the sort of return to it. We see him sort of have to learn to reform into a human. In the early days of Blu-ray, this looked quite impressive. I think I think as as a concept, it's actually pretty decent as well. It's it's like it it really does tell the story of 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 uh, you know of someone trying to find or you know find a way back again. You know, trying to stand up, and it's actually quite sad and moving at times. Is there actually is. A lot of yeah. thought, and you know, this is this is like one of the things where like the film's actually really good. Yes, but you know, it's the other stuff after. <laughs> well, between the two bits, we find Harry's in hospital. He's mm. all right. But he's lost his memory, and he do anything for his friends. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, the doctor's like, so he's fine. He's lost his memory, but he'll be fine. And he's like, and this is where he's full on Franco. He's like, my best friends. I know. The- you won't even like that before your dad died. <laughs> um, I, I just, I, I, I die for them. So cr- I, it's like you wouldn't have done before. You were a selfish, rich kid. You kind of looked Pete, and you weren't that bad. But this is fucking silly, and it's, I, I, I don't know. But amnesia plots are laziness generally, aren't mm-hmm. they? Aren't they just normally lazy yeah, it's, writing? It's, it's like, well, wouldn't well, you, trodden trope really, isn't it? Well, so. you need you need to postpone something for an hour. So how do you take them out of? Oh, I lost their, a memory. Danger oh. from well, they've lost their memory for an hour. It will come back when you need it to. It, it's kind of unnecessary as well. Do you think? Like, what time are you wasting here? Well, exactly. You could be using that time better. Like you know, you, you know, because especially like what what Harry does later on, it's like, well, why isn't why isn't Harry just why aren't you just doing that from the get go? Yeah, you could do it from the get go, or you. Yeah, it's could very have problematic. Him... I think that's why this film is two hours twenty minutes because they waste time faffing with things like this. Yeah, yeah, they do. So we must be getting to the bit where he sort of. Oh, that's the other thing. Uh, it's deliberate, but again, given. Peter and this Peter and Spider a Spider-Man are characters I'm not fond of. Hmm. The film really irritates me when he becomes so self-absorbed in the first half an hour, because every conversation leads back to him and Spider-Man. Hmm. She gets a distressing review, and he talks about how 
he's had a t- about Spider Man. The things so. I kind of felt bad for Peter here because he's like trying to be helpful. He's like he's trying to be positive to like you know what I get I get shit in the press too. You just got to right rise above it. You know, move on. And she's just like just throws it back in his face. If Addy said, "I get shit in the press too," and sort of positioned the conversation back towards her problem, I'd agree. Because he's saying, like, I understand. Yeah. But it goes into quite a long bit on Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, he's he's meant to be getting arrogant already... here, isn't he? He's meant to be... I know. And, and 20 minutes earlier, it, it, we've just been shown a montage with a voiceover of how great his life is as Spider-Man. Mm. So to say, well, I, I have pains too with it, doesn't really work. But you're right to the degree that the film and the actress don't sell the level of sympathy with her that it's trying to. I think we should feel for her here a bit. But she's so... I mean, Mary Jane is a misery guts through all three films. And yes, she's got some challenges because she had a tough home life. She doesn't immediately make it in New York. She's been sacked from a big break. All of those things are valid. But there's not enough balance in it to justify why Peter wants her beyond the fact that she's traditionally a bit out of his league and he fancies her. I've never sold a bond, a real bond between these two. And like 20 minutes of screen time or whatever it is after they finally admit they love each other, Mm. they're a bickering, depressed couple. Yeah. And you should really go for that sort of really sort of nervous Russian chick who makes your cookies. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But and anyway. again, they bring her back just to do nothing with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do something really odd with the landlord <laughs> later on. But yeah. um. So yeah. So the... yeah. So from here, you know, you have the, the the crane sequence where a crane goes out out of control and Spider Man saves Gwen. She's she's hanging off 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 a building. You, from a yeah, third line. she's basically mid- midway through this. This intelligent college girl is midway through a photo shoot where she's kind of going, "Here is my cleavage." Mm. I don't. I don't even know what the photo shoot's for. I don't know what they're promoting or anything. The whole just, scene looks so weird. I couldn't get over it. I was thinking, this she's, just looks she's, bizarre. She's by a window, leaning forward, showing her cleavage, but she's not indecently dressed particularly. But it's a moderately sexualized mm. pose. And the the photographer goes, what's that in my shot? Which he says before it comes anywhere near his shot. But it's a crane outside. And I'm thinking, you're photographing by that window. You would know that crane is there. This is just, it's not a big deal in the big scheme of things. But it's yet more, how lazy is this? How ill thought through is this? You just need Spider-Man to... to um, save Gwen Stacy and after he does that crane is still swinging around out of control he just swings yeah. off like no problem um, it, it's, it's basically just an excuse for Spider-Man to get like a key of the city and what better way is this to actually say, save, to save, save a life of someone who yeah. like who's di- who, who's related to someone with you know essentially a bit of power in the city I, I think he needs to save Gwen Stacy for the sort of jealousy with Mary Jane mm. angle. This is this is not Gwen. This is Gwen Stacy in name only. Um, 
I'm not an expert on that character. I'm not, but I know the basic arc. She she precedes Mary Jane. She's kind of the high school sweetheart. Um, she's a very different character from Mary Jane. But here, the only real similarity is she's got the name. Got blonde a, hair. She's got the same father, and she's got blonde hair. I mean, basically, the two leading ladies have reversed their natural hair colours because she's she's a natural redhead, and Kirsten Dunst is a natural blonde. So, so yeah. But as long as the covers and cuffs match, as Becca, <laughs> Becca loves. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so uh, we get introduced to um, uh, Eddie Brock, he, he, as you would do, you know, as so-called like girlfriend. We find out, you know, isn't really his girlfriend. Uh, is is hanging off life. Musician, he's like he seems pretty calm, just taking photos and just sort yeah, of. He's got bigger things on his mind at the moment, like the life of that woman who might be about to die. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and he he takes photos of him. It's like, yeah, his photos, Peter's photos, make you look, you know, fat or whatever. And yeah. again, I I don't know if we're supposed to smirk at that or just find him smarmy. I'm not quite sure what they're going for with the Brock character. Um, definitely there's there's precedent for that that he tries to muscle in on Peter's job mm. that, that's fairly comic book ac- accurate even if the character isn't but I seem to remember him being something of a bodybuilder but there you go uh, yeah so we go back at Daily Bugle I think it's the first time we see JJ and he's uh, taking pills and he has the loudest buzzer for comic effect I've ever ever seen on cinematic film I think it works though <laughs> I mean, it, it it just it's one of those like movie things where like the buzz is mm. that loud, it actually vibrates the table. Yeah, I don't think you could do this as literally in the Marvel universe. Yeah, even though the Marvel universe is proud of its comic book origins and 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 is quite happy to do the uniforms and all the rest of it, it is Marvel within our world to mm. some degree, heightened, changed, different. But I don't think you could do this exact version of the same character um, they, now I think about it and I've watched these films mm-hmm. again they were wise to retool him a little bit um, Brock and Parker are competing over a staff job aren't they? Yeah that is basically just set up for that he's like who can catch Spider-Man doing a crim- in the act so it would be like doing something but that's criminal. what I want and he, dem- he Brock is convinced he'll do it Um because he knows he'll do it one way or another. Mm. Uh, then what? Uh, uh, yeah, so that you know, back of uh, Peter and Harry, and they're talking about the old days and they're like the the playing balls. It's like they never did that before in their fucking lives. Yeah, just a completely different energy than their relationship ever had. Mm. And he doesn't know anything, but he kind of knows he's re- he, he knows it, it's not clear what he knows because the film yeah. doesn't know what he knows. The film hasn't thought about it. They just need him to have amnesia for a bit. And it needs, I think, to resell us how friendly they are so that when he turns again a bit later on, we're supposed to find that a bit heartbreaking, which doesn't really work. No. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, we do, this is where we find MJ loses the role. Um, again, how does this all work? She walks in and there's a rehearsal going on with her replacement and you're like... Don't they let you know if you work on Broadway? No, they, 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 they do for, oh, shit, we thought he told her. Or, you know, or, like, we're supposed to, like, you know. Oh, all right, so it's right. just, like, a shitty kind of... 
management of it. Right, she's fired anyway. Yeah. And then um, she's like, you know, obviously Spider-Man's getting a lot of attention. Um, yeah, there's a ceremony for key to the city sort of thing. Yeah, and that's just a bit where like he's a bit of a dickhead, doesn't he? He kind of like kisses Gwen upside down. Upside down. Yeah. And I just think like the the fact that he's oblivious to why that upsets her. I may not love the Mary Jane character in this these films, and I, I do think they've gone way too like melancholic on her across the three films. Mm. But she's right here. She is absolutely in the right here. He swings on like a twat, uh, flirts with her, lets her kiss him in what was a very special moment between the, those two, you know, in an echo of that. Mm. And when she says, that was our thing, he doesn't even remotely get it. Like, the, 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 the odd thing is, though, he hasn't got the symbiote on him yet. Now, now, if if this like if this if they did the like if they established the symbiote got got on his suit by this point or on him and, whatever, and he's just starting, and just just slowly kind things. of getting a bit, yeah. you know, he's still a good guy at this point, but that was a bit out of character, that sort of thing. Yeah. That yeah. would make sense, wouldn't it? But but no, it... it's just gone completely to his head. So it's like, so it's almost like he doesn't need the symbiote to be a dick. That's the problem. It's like it, it, it's, it, the symbiote's kind of like irrelevant, really. He's insufferable. He's insufferably happy, and then he's insufferably like lacking in any empathy. And if you're gonna kiss another woman, which I don't recommend, don't do it in front of your fucking girlfriend. <laughs> Yeah. You know. Anyway, um, so <laughs> I think we've got the Sandman bit now. Yeah. So, so yeah, Sandman just sort of like just comes uh, comes along, uh, gets hides from the cops, and then he has a first sort of fight with him. And we sort of oh, where do these guys come from? Um, yeah, that's fifteen minutes in. Uh, really, we're that yeah. far in. What did you think of this so far, Becca? We've had fifty minutes to get to this. Yeah, it just it just drags. It really just drags. Really, to be honest. Um, I yeah, I do struggle. I mean, like this. You know, there are some really in this film. There are some really meaningful character character notes, especially stuff with you know, um, Aunt May, for example. But it's just wind it in, wind it in. You know, it just it needs to kind of like have, you know have better editing. Really, um, I kind of feel that this sort of film, obviously, summary is, is a very talented director. Obviously, he's very capable, as, as we all know from his amazing body of work um but i kind of get the impression like in, with this film obviously ultimately he wasn't happy with it and i think he hoped through like the um you know with, with the fourth fifth and sixth plan films that he he had in mind that would kind of make up for this but i kind of feel like this film kind of kept getting away from him a little bit that's the impression that i get anyway even though he you know he wrote the script um but yeah i just kind of feel this is one of the many scenes where i just kind of got away away from him a little bit I think we know from experience that whose name does write in the script and what actually happened isn't always... Doesn't no, they're, always they're not up. always the same thing, are they? So. Um, he's clearly had involvement to be credited, but there were strong rumours of studio interference here. So I, I tend to think the Sandman bit is the bit he wanted to do, but, of course, it's competing for space with a load of other stuff. The one bit that was quite good is they used an amp- amputee to to play Spider-Man punching through through him. Oh, I didn't that's know that. An amp- that. That's an amputee. At the point where you see the shot 
with the arm right through him. Where the sort of arm is in contact with the Sandman's stomach is where the guy's arm actually ends. Mm-hmm. Just for that shot. Oh, okay. No, it's just, it's just kind of get, to get that sound really, wasn't it? So, I think um, for that role, you know, for the, that kind of role as well, he went to kind of do a lot of research with with people who had, you know, had amputations and things like that, for example. Yeah. Um, but for physical impairments as well. But yeah, I think I remember reading the same sort of thing. It was just to kind of get that that sound effect and how how that would work. Um, yeah, so it was interesting. Yeah. Um, but, but, we, go on, Chris. Sorry. I, I was going to say, uh, well, the question I really want to know, Becca, is. Um, what would you do to a proposal by someone sticking a, a, a wedding ring um, in a champagne glass? Would you would you really find that really like romantic? It's, it's quite awkward, or... isn't it? Yeah, it's quite awkward. Um, maybe use your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good advice for us all. Sorry, that, that that's really bad taste. I do apologise. Um, or you'd have to get some kind of implement, wouldn't you? I think. I mean, like again. I mean, obviously, characters. Or if you've got use of your mouth, you know, do use other means. This is kind of straying into bad taste territory, so I'm going to step out. Obviously, he's trying too hard. Pour it. Pour the liquid out. You know. Oh yeah, this this is like the uh, the <laughs> the third Bruce Campbell yeah. cameo as as the Major D. Uh, is he kind of channeling? I got a really Basil Fawlty vibe. This John was probably my, this was, Yeah, the only difference is Basil disdained all his fucking guests. This guy is actually trying to help. No, he, no, um, really he wants to make yeah, it just John Cleese vibe generally. I think probably more the the waiter from the Mr. Creosote sketch rather than Basil Fawlty. Just a general John Cleese vibe. This is my, this is my favourite of the three Bruce Campbell characters. Yeah, it's mine as well. I would probably say he, he's always cool. He's always groovy in whatever he does. <laughs> Um, yes, yeah, this is probably my favourite of, of the of the and again, Crumble, it, of trilogy. There's, there's no hard and fast rules. Yeah, perhaps he can get a trilogy box set. Um, <laughs> the Twojanski box set yeah. is the Bruce trilogy. Uh, the Bruce trilogy. <laughs> he is the Victor Twojanski um, of the series. Jaws fans would buy that by mistake, wouldn't they? Um, I think th- there are no. Yeah, hard... ITV, you know, if ones have been ITV, I've still not seen the Jaws sequels. I must see them at some point. You haven't seen Jaws, have you? There are. We'll get to it. It's on the list. We'll start a Patreon. Yeah, uh, we are we are covering Jules. You're, you're going to have a shock at the drop in quality in that series. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I mean, by Jules 4, you think this is the same series as... I'll be like, this is amazing. <laughs> this time um, is personal. <laughs> Jules 4 yeah, this time yeah, is there, There's a vengeful shock that chomp, roars chomp. in the fourth film. And it's a Christmas film. Oh, God. Um, yeah, so... Um, there are no hard and fast rules because we're co- we're complaining about the film wasting time and trying to cram too much in. This whole scene's a bit of a waste of time, but I have to say I enjoy it. Um, I, I just, just can't believe his like ineptitude of it of, of like not not reading the scene. Like I would never dream of like of do of doing like the whole cheesy um, like, ring in the glass because what if she chokes on it? What 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 if like as what happens is she's not really feeling it or there's a bit of a the hostile. You know what I mean? It's like it's you have to kind of pick your moment here, don't you? You kind of have to like yeah have have to have your back out. She ha- she's had a terrible review. You've, like, you've what, already what, spoken what, to her about what we and said, you thought that was the night to do it. Or what if she he, she simply said like some champagne goes actually no I don't really fancy champagne I just want uh you know or whatever you know do you know what I mean? It's like oh sh- then you're fucked aren't you? Like yeah. And he's hired like violinists and things like that. Um, It's meant well, but it's just as soon as she's having a bad day, he has no empathy for it. 
and we're supposed to believe he loves her. And I think I'm trying to think what film that was said in. He's he's not in. I think it was an episode of Frasier actually, where he was talking to Niles and he says, "You weren't in love with her. You were in love at her." Hmm. And I think that applies to Peter. This is not a couple in love. This is a man infatuated. Yeah. Um, and, and when it comes to like her not matching the image of the infatuation, which is basically a model, um, and she's actually going through real life shit, he, he can't connect with that at all. And th- mm. consequently, the scene is tone deaf because she's basically been a misery for three films. She's with good reason but they've chosen to write these obstacles for her all the way through a behavior in the second film, like pissing about with that astronaut, you know, messing with him completely. You kind of think, well, I'm not really on your side, but at this point you're in the right. And he's so tone deaf. I'm not on her side either. So I'm sat watching this pair. And again, I'll refer to what I said in the last film. The pair of them just need to fucking grow up and learn a bit about like being there for other people. So um, that's yeah. it. She walks out, doesn't she? Yeah, she, uh, Gwen, Gwen walks in. It's like, oh, who? Oh, by the way, it's my uh, college uh, lap lap partner. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. Which, which sends her over the edge. She's like, oh, well, you didn't even like. <laughs> which, which, you, you saved just... her. You kissed her. You work with her, and I've never heard of her. Yeah. Not even in passing. Not even just. Oh yeah, it wasn't a bad day. I had to do experiments. Well, I, they partnered me up with, you know. Yeah. It is suspicious if you if if you're hanging out with like a super hot lady, and you never mention her, that's suspicious. Yeah. Doesn't mean yeah. he's and she and she's all super friendly as well. Like oh you know. <laughs> and she kissed and she kissed him upside down. She yeah. will recognise her as the person who did that. So she's infatuated with a superhero who does, she doesn't know is Peter, but MJ does. Mm. So she's now seeing a woman who's fairly hot. Who's in, who's kind of close to both sides. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, next we have the police commissioner finally tell them like, Oh, by the way, uh, the, by the way, the... this thing that happened five years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that looks, isn't it? And, it's uh, actually this guy. How do you know that? Well, he was in prison for it. <laughs> what? Don't <laughs> <laughs> say. Like, why link this to Ben? It's ludicrous. <laughs> Couldn't he have just shot someone else? Yeah. <sighs> All right. Okay. So, Peter's furious, and and what makes me laugh is the writers were smart enough. To have Peter ask the question the audience is asking, why are you asking, telling me this now, and then not answer it? Well, you know, you, you know, you've got to get to him listening to radios on being all vengeful and shit. Now he's, now he's, he's, he's. Uh, it's time for the symbiote to come out from under the bed <laughs> yes. after a week. Yes, and he's having a nightmare, which the symbiote seems to sense. Yeah, MJ seems to, like forgiven him a little bit because like, oh, by the way, sorry to hear about the uncle stuff. Uh, yeah. So the symbiote attached to a suit. Um, uh, that, I, that exact scene, not the scene of it. It's, mm-hmm. it's in the. He wakes up in the cartoon, hanging upside down, looking mm-hmm. at his reflection in a building. It's it's pretty much the same. Yeah. 
I don't doesn't know. seem any different, does he? I don't think it's too, it looks broadly similar. Yeah, um, I, I think they've been a bit underwhelming on the design of the suit because it is just his regular suit in all black. Yeah, it seems. I mean, there is kind of meant to be some an almost like mirror image. I mean, you sort of compare it with the the Tom Hardy version, which to me seems a lot more like go back to the comics. I guess it's a lot more certainly stylized. Mm. Um, but I think with with this iteration, um, I think it is basically kind of like a sort of other kind of you know sort of mirror image as it were. So it's kind of meant to look similar, very similar to to the costume, but obviously slight tweaks here and there. Do they actually establish any sort of difference in ability? Because the, the thing with the suit was it kind of like add, it add, added more. It gives him emo powers with the emo in, the, in the cartoon, because because it's the cartoons are not even going for subtleness, so they will try to mimic the internal voice of the comic. So they will literally have him say, "Wow, my webs are just coming out by themselves, and I feel mm. so much stronger." And this is cool. And... It, it, it's one of the downsides of the cartoon, actually. It's yeah, like, I don't it's really a bit, see. It's a bit too much too much like just stating everything yeah but it's it's aimed yeah. at a different audience yeah. so, I mean, it, having said that it something like batman the animated series neat largely managed to layer those things better not always there's a couple of cheesy episodes mm. of that um but in the story beats i just thought it was just more logically set out that's all mm. um we don't establish a great uh, I mean, there's a bit in the cartoon where he's attacked uh, by police. It must be. It must have been the faking of of the crime again, and he's being like tried. To, police and that are trying to subdue them, and he's getting a bit heavy-handed back. And and you hear him say to himself, "What am I doing?" And then the sort of symbiote clearly must assert itself, and he goes, "Defending myself." And that's difficult to do in live action, but I don't think the film really does it because all of the sort of supposedly evil things he does aren't that evil. And as Peter Parker, he becomes a bit of an asshole, but he already kind of was. He just becomes a different flavour of asshole mm. with eyeliner and darker hair. <laughs> um, brushing your hair forward and he's just insufferable, but Looking I kind of like a was, dick. But he was anyway. Um. So, uh, then what? Uh, so... He shows it to Kirk Connors. He sort of advises, "Don't get any of that on you." And he, I, he... I love the way he goes. He says something like, "I'm a physicist, not a chemist or or a biologist or something like that." And I'm thinking, so basically, you're just telling us in the audience that you're only here because you're the only scientist in this series the audience has heard of. But this is not your specialism at all. <laughs> My next gym, not this, not why. I teach English, but I suppose I'm a teacher. <laughs> you know? but... um, yeah, he says it's not as this hmm. earth, don't get any on you. Um, and then we have another fight with Sandman. He kind of finds um, Sandman and basically kicks the shit out of him with, with, the, with the black suit. He washes him away. The most ridiculous thing annoyed me here. Um, it's, there's good a bank... it's the fact that a, a bank is being robbed. And the Sandman can disintegrate. So he disappears down like a drain mm. with massive great fat back bo- bags of money. That doesn't work. No. The money would just be sat on the top of the fucking thing. But anyway, Peter follows down after him. Brock's there to try and take photos. He doesn't mm. let him. And then he takes a load of photos anyway of just the sort of area. So 
it, it's a telegraphing. We know what's going to happen. He's going to fake a photo. Um, and he chases after him. Looks a little bit like uh, in the reboot, in the sort of sewers with the with the lizard. Yeah. Um, it's an okay fight, but he's getting angrier. There's a little bit of, did you show my... But the trouble is, it's that voice. He's, you know, did you show my Uncle Ben mercy? But he sounds such a whiner. But, yeah, he basically defeats Sandman by getting him soaking wet, doesn't he? <laughs> he flushes him away. Could have just pissed on him at the start, saved a bit of time. <laughs> um, and then uh, he, and he gets back, uh, he shouts at his landlord. That's so like, out of character, Chris. I know. Not like not like Peter to sort of. It's it's not like Peter to actually stand up for yourself. Um, Mind you, it's, it's making the landlord's daughter wet. She's all right with it. But is it, it, look how thing, assertive he is. Here's, here's the thing: the landlord, right? This this is meant to be like, oh, you know, Peter's cross like. But landlord like instantly fucking changes and goes like, oh well, you know, I'll I'll, I'll respect Peter now. And he, he shouted at me once. Oh well, I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of be extra nice to him and not. <laughs> and, and not pestering for for my rent, which he rightly owes me. But um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's it, yeah. it, it sends an odd message. It's weird. I don't get it. Um, you never get the impression he's going to be evicted. I mean, I was watching The Graduate a couple of days ago and seen that for a few years now. I love that film. But the funny thing is, I fell in love with it on such an early viewing of it that I don't ever really know it as well as I think I do. Most films I know, I I just know. But every time I watch that film, there's quite a bit I've forgotten, and I don't watch it that often. But there's a bit where he sort of goes to Berkeley, I think it is, to sort of chase after um, the daughter. Um, Elaine, isn't it? Elaine Robinson. And he's he's renting a room there, and, and the landlord just wants him out because he thinks he's morally bankrupt because he overhears certain rows and that. And every time I saw that landlord, and it was only a couple of times, I was like, oh, God, the landlord's caught up with him because he's going to be kicked out. I never get that from this guy at yeah. all. Um, and I don't see the point of these sequences. But I don't see the point of the fucking landlord, to be honest. I know... No. I know and the daughter, I mean, what's the daughter even there for? Because all it does is muddy the waters, because mm. I think we're all kind of agreeing she's a better match. Um, so, yeah, he looks in the mirror, he notices his personality's being, you know, altered. Mm. Uh, and, then, and then he goes to Aunt May and says, Spider-Man killed him! And I'm like... Why are you telling her this? Why are you telling her that? And she's Spider-Man? That's not Spider-Man. So yeah, um, Harry and MJ. Harry invites Mary Jane. Rampus and Chubby Checker to play to do the not to, to, to dance to dance to the twist. And, um, and then suddenly it's like, ooh, you still have some chemistry. Yes, actually, they... the way her relationship is with Pete and the chemistry they've clearly got there. There's a half a chance he could have like got her without all the threats. Yeah. And it, and if he had to threaten her, then don't show that kind of chemistry, because again it muddies the water around Mary Jane. Mm. A couple of bad weeks with your bloke, and suddenly you're looking elsewhere. Um, I don't like any of this really. But it does actually, from if it seems more organic. Done stuff for Peter. <laughs> they actually play it quite well, and yeah, they've got more chemistry than the other two. Uh, but anyway, um, 
So yeah, he, they 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 have a kiss and he gets a bit of flashback, doesn't he? He basically he suddenly remembers everything. Yeah. Um. And... So, as soon as she goes home, he turns up and um. Yeah, he ta- he attacks MJ as as, as the goblin <laughs> straight yeah. away, and then and MJ calls Peter and so sort of breaks up breaks up with him. Yeah, it takes him somewhere picturesque to do it, um, and says so she's got someone else. And then Peter meets Harry uh, in a in like a cafe, in a diner type place, and he's like, "I'm the other man." Sorry, Peter, you ought to know. And then he he runs up all upset, and he's like enjoying his pie. Yeah, and then, it, it then, actually it reminded me of uh, taste of strawberries. I wouldn't know. I would. Yeah. It's very sort of like he, he could have mind licking vagina out at this point, and it wouldn't have been any sleazier. Yes, it's really <laughs> it's, it's just an odd thing because, like you know, he, he kind of like turns like when he's outside, looks at, it and he, he and how he just looks and just winks at him in a really kind of like you know, yeah. kind of odd way, and then just disappears. But like it's just such an odd thing to do. Yeah, you're not Batman. Because because Batman is like has mastered that early in mm-hmm. early in his career. When we get like someone look away and when they look back, he's gone. We just accept that's his skill set, mm-hmm. even if it might be improbable given where he grew up, where he was stood. Harry doing it is really odd. I don't know why they decided to put that in. He's not an illusionist. And then they have a fight. Basically, they, they, they go back to Harry's place and they have a fight. They're basically, yeah. So, so all this is like pretty much wrapped up and done. They're pretty much just like, right, okay, and then... Yeah, all of this, from the moment they're dancing to the twist to the whole thing being fucking over, is like a couple of minutes, it feels like. Um... A bit more than that, but not much. Yeah, so this is where he goes full on dark, isn't he? He's like, he goes full Your dad on... hated you. Like, they're arguing about dads? Really? And yeah, they, they, they get... They have a fight, and you know he uses the the put the pumpkin thing to sort of like blow him up. Yeah, when well, he throws it at Peter, Peter dodges it, webs it, and slings it back at him, mm. and the bomb goes off, and Peter leaves. At this point, we we might believe Harry to be dead. Yeah, um, he's clearly not. If you've ever seen a film, but <laughs> it, it's possible at this point. Um, and then the bugle cover comes out with the picture of Spider Man mm-hmm. in the black suit with money. From the bank, so Eddie Brock has taken a photo of Spider-Man, ostensibly of Spider-Man stealing money, which we know didn't happen. He's um, he's taken a regular photo of Spider-Man that Peter did with Spider-Man in the regular suit and just doctored it. Mm-hmm. Um, Brock is on staff, and Peter turns up and sort of threatens him. Dialogue's nuts because he said, "What was it?" He says. He says something like "Have mercy," and he said, "If you want forgiveness," and he he didn't ask for that. What are you talking about? Mm. Did did they not read back what they'd written? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound right, does it? No. Um, but to be fair, it's the only time that Peter actually actually has any balls. Where he just goes, "Oh, okay. Well, um, I'm just going to stand up for myself and show you up." Cause... And this is meant to be more more evidence that Peter's gone really dark, but what he's done here. It's justified, isn't it? It's absolutely justified. Pushing him against the wall, possibly a step too far because that's technically assault, I suppose. 
But he didn't go in and beat him up or anything. He went in, just pinned him slightly and said, you know, that's not appropriate. And then he turns to oh, Robbie. Like, yeah, Robertson fess up and or says, I'm going to fuck it, you know, and then check, your, check these photos. Yeah. yeah. And later they check that they, they've been doctored. They go they go to wherever it is yeah. and and they, they've confirmed these are doctors. I don't know how easy that is to do. I don't know, but they Yeah, do. he says check your sources next time. Yeah. And then we come to the infamous part of the film, which is the dancing. Dancing pizza. First, he goes into a store that has a sale on and walks out in a suit. Yes, he's just got a staff job, so he's got money now. So he's there, he's there dancing. And, you yeah. know, and it's meant to be kind of like, yeah, I'm really cool. And everyone's just looking at him like he's the biggest dick in the world. I would, of all the scenes in this film, this is the one I would like to have a conversation with Sam Raimi about, a completely open-minded one, where I would say, what were you going for? Because I tend to think he was going... He knows Pete as a nerd. So I think he's gone for a nerd trying to be cool, mm. and it's to be kind of humorous. But it's more irritating than funny. It's meant to be more evidence that Peter's becoming evil, but it doesn't kind of play like that. It just becomes he's a twat. And a twat isn't necessarily evil. Mm. Um, so it, I, I, it sort of falls between several stools. What did you think, Becca? <laughs> I, I despair. I really despair. It was what bit... were they going for? What do you think they were going for? What were they trying to tell us? <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. I think by the, by this point of the film, I think it got to like literally like the last half hour, little pockets here and there, but I lost the will to live, really. I was like, oh my God, get I on with it. Stru- I was struggling with this. I, yeah, so I, I, to be, I, I'm going to be honest, I was kind of... Obviously, there are you know really pockets of this film. I, I'm just going to speak in generalities. Um, I, I did enjoy parts of this film. Um, there are some good visual elements, but I, I did struggle quite badly with tonight's viewing. I do apologise. This is going to come out really poorly. So, if any any of you listeners out there who have a burning love for for this film, I, I do apologise. Um, there must be like, some people out there who must, love this like, film. Like those people who like Diana, they, they must. <clears throat> there's nothing wrong with it. Um, there's a and lot wrong with it, but like, oh yes, this is my favourite of the series. I'm sure there is. That's fine. Um, but yeah, I just kind of feel a little bit like, oh, but I, I did stop have, this evening. I do apologise. We're going to have listeners now who were still children when this came out. Well, this um, is it. So because it's 13 years. I wasn't ago. long out of uni, so. If you watch this at 12, you're 25 now. Um, if you, you know, so mm. there's every chance that you've got a bit of nostalgia for this film. I don't think we're going to offend anyone because I just think this is in pop culture so solidly as not a very good film. No, I think a lot I of it now is, is, is also it's become a huge part of meme culture as well, isn't it? Because there's a lot of like sort of visual facial memes come out of Toby Maguire alone, yeah, you know, sort ones, of his facial yeah. Um, yeah. expressions that he makes throughout this film is just a whole meme think- on its own. I think no one who loves this film is going to come to any review being surprised when it gets talked ill of. Yeah, it's just so I would expected. Be, I would be I would kind do, of yeah, disappointed in any listener that got like really pissed off or angry because what do you expect? Mm. But it's there are worse films out there than this. It's just, yeah, it's, it's just a mess. And in a lot of scenes, I don't really know what they're going for. From scene to scene, it kind of looks like a Spider-Man film, and I had a lot of problems with the other two. So, 
you know, it's not like when you're banging Superman 4 and immediately go, what the fuck what? happened to the budget? You know, or you watch Batman and Robin and someone goes, what yeah. are they doing? Metropolis turns into Milton Keynes, yeah. Watch any two-minute yeah, two part of this film and it looks fairly in keeping, with a couple of exceptions where you go, that scene would never have made it into an earlier one, but, you know, there you go. Where do we go from here? The Sandman reforming, and I was really struggling by this point. Beckett's just hit on it, that yeah. it's dragging. And I, I wasn't finding this character engaging, and he was so fucking mopey that when he reformed, I was like, Oh, he's back. I was hoping this bit was going to be largely Venom and we were going to do the story some justice. And yes, the film will have been overstuffed, but it will make up for it a little bit. But the other thing I was is, really it's, disappointed when it came it's back. It's been 30 minutes since we last saw him. So what the fuck's happened since then? Like 30 minutes into the film, like days, days of stuff has happened since... Yeah, Spider-Man's supposedly washed him away. The film just parks things until it needs it and then comes back. That's what Harry's was amnesia was about. We don't know what to do. We want him early in the film as an action sequence because he was turning Ill, evil at the end of the previous film. That didn't make sense, but go to the previous episode to see why we thought that. And we all kind of agreed with that as well. Um, but then they've got nothing to do with him as evil for like over an hour. But if he's that vengeful, he's going to keep going at Spider-Man. So let's knock him out and have him amnesia. And it's the same here. It's the same. They didn't know what to do with him for a while. So they just ignored him for half an hour. It's the same with Venom. Mm. The symbiote has to land and go home. And you've identified as him having a nice evening with Mary Jane before all the trouble starts as the best point. But then you've got no role with him for a little while. I'm with Chris. I think he should have had the symbiote suit on almost straight away and been starting that arc of being a bit of a dick rather than turning in two minutes flat. Um, but the film hasn't gone that way, so it's got no point. So it hangs out in his room for days, which is just odd because most our understanding of most sort of symbiotes is of any kind in, in nature is they need kind of a host. They don't sort of live disconnected for things from things for very long. So it, it's not very well thought through. And yeah, yeah, that, that's just it. You know, it could have had, um, you know, it could have been mostly been between Harry, you know, all the way through and then him basically sort of nearly killing him as like the full on, you know, yeah. I've got all the way now. We are trying to explain why this film isn't working rather than just rag on it because mm. it's Spider-Man 3 with Spider-Man 3's reputation. And and most of it, a lot of it is structural. There are problems with details. There's, there's bits in this film that are almost Orsi and Kurtzman-like in that they just wave something away or tr and then strangely try to over-explain certain things. We'll get to it later with the butler. Chris will know, you'll both know exactly what I'm on about. That's that's almost lazy that's that's kind of shit we've got to wrap this up and it, it's just there's nothing in it that's like visually as as wrong as like superman 4 batman and robin or anything like that there's nothing that looks as unfinished as something like x-men origins wolverine where the effects weren't done this is all like competently assembled 
but the constituent parts are just badly put together. It just look it looks like it was written by committee. They don't know what to do with certain characters. They get to certain points in the runtime and they have to quickly wrap mm. something up. And we're supposed to care about characters that have never been in any way particularly that interesting or likable. And the Sandman's a, a good example. Uh, Thomas Hayden Church does a good job with what he's given, and and he looks like he's stepped out of the pages of a comic, but. Christ, what a mope. When he came back, I remember being actively disappointed because I thought we were moving on to Venom soon. We're at a point... How far in the film are we at this point? Venom hasn't even appeared yet. I know no, the symbiote I mean, is there. Venom's literally probably in the last 20 minutes. Yeah, because Venom at the, Venom is only Venom once he's with Brock, if you like. it's Venom is still effectively Spider-Man. Well, you know, you pr- pretty much you have, like, it's this, and you have, like, the... The jazz club scene where he takes Gwen Gwen on a date to win MJ back and does all the dancing. That well, that weird oh, he's dancing a wanker shit. in that scene. And it's from and it's from that scene where like you know he gets in the fight with the with the barman at the end and he, he hits MJ. That to him he goes, oh no, and the this suit's changed me. I need to get it off. <sighs> there was a bit of a backlash to this scene, but the way it played to me, he was a dickhead because he turned up, flirt, flirted with like. The, the the waitress um, I don't know what this is why I'd love to talk to Sam Raimi about it because the waitress responds to him like she's almost attracted to him mm. and it's like is the film trying to make him cool or is the film trying to make him feel cool and the world, world just looks at him like what the fuck's he doing and it tries to have it both ways in different scenes him taking Gwen there is a real dick move anyway so, yes, the suit is corrupting him. But the actual point where he hit her played like an accident to me. He didn't look at her, size her up and hit her. He he just kind of turned. He didn't know she was there. Someone, do you know what I mean? Mm. But whatever. I can understand why he wants the symbiote off him after this. Um, but, yeah, he's not suddenly a, a wife beater. He isn't. Yeah. Mm. He, he goes to the church... Now, I don't know, I'm confused by this. In, I'm pretty sure in comic books and cartoons, we established fairly fairly early on, the symbiote can't handle loud noises. Why you'd want to hang around in New York, I'm not sure. But he can't handle loud noises. Now, at this point... It's like vibrations, isn't it? It's like that kind of like... It is noise, but it's noise noise with a certain frequency, Mm. you get the impression. So I don't think it's necessarily car horns or whatever, because you'd be fucked in New York if it was. Um, But we've not established this at this point. So what he's doing in sort of the belfry of a church, I haven't got a clue. Um, He's trying to. It's just kind of like, oh yes, this this is working, and he's kind of. It's weird because like that tiny thing, it just looks like a regular suit, and now it's almost like the actual venom sort of symbiote isn't it it's, it's, yeah it's kind of i mean we've seen him take the hood off it because it throughout the toby Maguire era and andrew garfield to us to a degree i think they were they seemed to panic anytime he was in the full outfit and kept having to him to take it off to show us his face which is not a pretty face to be fair i'd rather be unbothered but um he took the hood off and i remember thinking oh the mask and i remember thinking mm-hmm. That's now disconnected from the rest of the symbiote. How does that even work? Um, so it doesn't work. But yeah, the symbiote, he finds out, starts coming loose when he knocks into the bell. 
but he didn't know that, and it's just coincidence he's at a church. Yeah, and, and Peter's there, and and Eddie's there in the right church because Peter told him to get religion. It's just a bit lazy, again. Yeah, but he manages to get this off, and it drops onto Eddie incredibly slowly, and he just stands there and let it happen. <laughs> Turns into venom, roars at the camera. Peter's up in the bell tower, naked. Just go get him. It's done. Ash doesn't explain how he actually managed to get back down. Uh, he, swung, he swung home naked. Oh, okay. you, you know. Um, Imagine looking up and seeing them, you know, his bollocks swinging around. Yeah, so he gives, yeah, so he obviously gives the ring back to uh, May. May says, no, keep it. And then, literally, you got you have Venom meets Fan Man. Like, how about we team up and kidnap MJ also immediately? And. That's it, we're straight into we're the We're straight like, into the last sequence. Okay. Now. Which is awful. The, the thing that sort of really... I don't know about you guys. Um, I don't know how Becca feels about how... This, this this kind of just shows how lazy and just how cringe-making this whole final scene... I hate... One of the things I really do hate in, film, in films or, or TV or whatever is the kind of need to announce everything that's happened on the screen. So, like... They have, you can see it. They the news the news reporter, and I feel kind of bad because the actress who actually played her actually Lucy Gordon. Died, um a few years back. She was literally like a day or two from her birthday. I'm mm. trying to, I think I think it yeah, would have been. Really her, sad. I think yeah. it would have been her twenty ninth. Yeah. So oh she my was gosh. About, so That's this such a shame. Two, this was two years before. So filming this, it's likely she was just turning twenty six, something like that. But she was dead in under three years from filming and, and in about two years from uh, release. Uh, Lucy Gordon, she died. British actress, as you can tell by the voice. I think she had some kind of romantic issues. She died two days before her 29th birthday That's so sad. in Paris, France. She hung herself. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, so I, I do feel bad because, and I will say, it, it's not her her, not her. It's just how. Uh, although this is used. Her, her accent... yeah, it's, not, it's not her fault, definitely. No, but yeah, it's, but it's, it's, it's that's sort of the, this kind of jaws. how they do it is a bit of a cliche. But yeah, it's it's, it's very sad. It's um yeah, but it's not her fault. Uh, do you, no, I just can't. I can't. I just cannot stand when you know when, when films decide to like, you know, announce everything. It's like oh, we're seen here and Spider Man out of nowhere, you know. You know, this is just brutal. This yeah, could be the trope, end. The you final know, it's just moments. Like... It's hard to imagine the. Yeah. Um, her voice does jar, not because she's got a bad voice, but an English accent popping up here was odd. Um, but Spider-Man swings in, runs in front of the flag while everyone wanks themselves silly. But literally, as he swings in, what are the mothers that's there? And in all of the Raimi films, New York stands and watches as this mm. really dangerous stuff happens in front of them. But a mother literally says "yay" as he spies. Uh, it's the worst expression of joy since "yippee" in the Phantom Menace. <laughs> Yay! And there was some kid at some point when something happens where they go, they went, "Wow, super cool!" Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, this is a direction from a very, very out of touch man at this point, or they've just said, "Say whatever you like," and whatever they've said, they've put in. I hate this sequence. Yeah. 
Sandman is not really a thing in it early on, but he becomes a thing, and it seems he can get bigger as he draws sand in and they're on a construction site. Mary Jane's been abducted again. She has... I think it was originally Worst luck in this film. Oh my gosh! Initially, I don't, I don't know why they suddenly. It seems to be because Venom is now Eddie. He has knowledge of having been mm. bonded to Peter, so he knows Spider-Man is Peter Parker. Um, everything out of his mouth, and it isn't a lot, is really creepy here. You know, my spider sense is tingling. If you know what I'm talking about, he may as well have thrust his. Crop That's really cringy. He might as well have thrust his crotch as he said it. Yeah. Um, his teeth are, are always distorted when in the, he's in the suit, which is yeah, odd. Yeah, so he has to wear these weird fangs, doesn't he? But it isn't when he's out of the suit. There's a bit where, because he steals her by pretending to be a taxi driver and his teeth are normal then, so that was yeah, so weird. And I don't know what I want to say about this scene. It, the mask is on and off every two minutes. He's getting the shit kicked out of him. But at the same time, a very pissed off Harry is in his apartment and the butler comes over and says, I dressed his room wounds. He killed himself by his own hand. You think first off, there's no way you could know that uh, because that sort of isn't what happened anyway. Secondly, you're a fucking what pathologist now, you know, you're, you're paid to serve drinks and like iron shirts. Um, and why, third, are you telling third... him, why are you telling him this now? Right, yeah, and this guy has been consumed by pain and vengeance for, like, what, five years? If this is in real time, if it's not in real time, it's been a couple of years. Um, it's it's just nuts, and it, it's just, the uh, I keep saying this word, lazy. Hmm. And then he swings in, and he's suddenly old buddy, old pal. He's suddenly, like, his best mate again, and it's like, okay, you've just been corrected, but you were twisted by a serum. Which sent your father mad. This does none of this makes any sense, and no. you just get the impression they're all like, "Oh, whatever." Yeah. Um, so yeah, Venom, Venom ends up been... killing. They end up like, sort of dealing with Sandman. Um, Venom it's ends up time. killing Harry. How do they really de- deal with Sandman? He's an issue, and then he suddenly isn't, and um, then he's back. I her. think. I think he sort of like they. I think. Harry bombs him. Yeah, bombs him, and he just sort of like gives up. I don't know. He just kind of like falls at the bottom, and he and he's kind of done afterwards. He'll be fine in a minute. Yeah. Whatever. Venom is dealt with nice and easily by the power of noise, Mm -hmm. but Harry is killed because he jumps in. He jumps in front of his bestest ever pal. Yeah, he dies the same way his dad does. I mean, I kept expecting that scene for for Spider Man to sort of like drop Harry off at his place and the butler to walk in and vow vengeance. Yeah, you know? and then in the next three, next film, the, the, <laughs> the butler's dry cleaner says, "I, I dressed his wounds and <laughs> he was killed by his own hand." <laughs> yeah. Um, how does that work? You're speared by a glider. There's no evidence of how that happened. <laughs> Oh, he did it to himself. What is there? What you can prove he thrusted that? Ele- what? <laughs> oh, this is shit. Well, it's, it, it, well, it's simply he, he watched the first film, didn't he? Uh... And then Peter does the meme-worthy cry. All the memes of him crying, and this is where he really looks like a Harry Enfield character. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking awful. Yeah, that's uh, a great sound effect right there. Yeah, it's kind of because he's almost. I can go in the trailer. 
looks like he's blowing a raspberry or something. He does a little bit as if he's going to go. Awful. And it, it's such a close up as well. It's like we got it. He's crying. He's the ugliest crier in the world. <laughs> this is like the very definition of ugly crying. Oh, my God. Yeah, he should have snot running down his nose as well. But it's given us lots of memes, so we're grateful. Yeah, and this guy behind him looks really fake. <laughs> and at the same time, J. Jonah Jameson pays a kid 100 bucks for a camera with no film in it. Isn't it's... that like Sam Raimi's daughter or something like that? I th- uh, yeah, I think there was. Okay, I think it might be, you know. Yeah. He, he likes to have his family and relatives in, in his films. So I think yeah. Yeah, I kind of think that's his daughter, so, which is very cute. So, so then... Uh, and she's quite smart. So. Fit Marco reforms on her, he's fine. But he just decided not to continue fighting. And he tells Peter he's not a bad guy, really. Peter immediately forgives him. And, and, he, and flies, then he just drifts away. And then Drifts away with no further consequences. So we don't know what happens to his da- daughter. Nothing. Doesn't really matter. Doesn't matter. Um, he hasn't got away with any money at this point. No. So we don't care. Teresa Russell, who's not a superstar, was but was a name, was completely wasted. The heartstrings of the daughter led to nothing. Mm. Uh, writing the wrong of the fact he's escaped from prison no, no no problem there the symbiont is destroyed but Eddie uh, after two minutes in the suit Eddie couldn't live without it and died trying to jump back into it how long has he been wearing the suit? literally it must be a few hours mm. Peter's fine without it it's like the Nexus in Star Trek Generations like it's the hardest place in the world to leave and you know Picard takes one look at it and goes right I'm off um, it's like, yeah, crap, fucking film. And then Peter and Mary Jane re reunite at the at the cafe she works in now. Mm-hmm. Um, happy endings all round. That's it. Spider Man Three. The end. Final thoughts, folks. Oh, at long last. Yeah, you guys uh, go first. You guys go first. I'm dying. Okay. <laughs> Final thoughts on Spider Man Three. Final thoughts. Um. Yeah, in somewhere in there, there is a good film. Um, I just kind of feel it gets buried by t- too much going on. Um, it's quite busy, um, but for the time, there are some nice visuals. Um, as we spoke about earlier, like the first fight, um, there's kind of leave a lot to be desired. <clears throat> but then, like the fight uh, between Spider-Man and, and Sandman, for example, and the visuals around Sandman character are, are really quite impressive. Um, the, the, you know, this film has some good, um, some comedy moments. Um, there's a scene earlier on, we're talking about this with Dave off air. Um, there's a scene where, you know, Jay Jonathan is taking like loads of pills and like, not that one, not that one, not that one. And then he goes to take it and like the whole, there's, there's a vibration and the whole bottle looks, but you know, it's comedy ensues. Um, and there's lots of unintentional comedy <laughs> with Toby Maguire pulling, gurning his way through the latter half of this film. Um, yeah, for me, sadly, it is it's probably the worst in this um, in this particular trilogy. Um, but as I say, yeah, it's, it's not all bad. There are there are some really good points. Um, it just kind of gets mired and bogged down, really. Um, and yeah, we, we spoke at the top of the show about Empire and other sort of film magazines giving sort of three star reviews. It's pretty much a three star movie. It is enjoyable, but it gets mired down. Um, but luckily for fans, you know, we do get to see that um, the Venom character, ex- you know, explored more later on in the series. Chris. Yeah, um, I think we've pretty much covered all the bases here. Um, this is just a bit of a mess. I think. I think overall, I think it's just a. I think it's just, it, it's compromised not, not only by you know wanting to cooperate Venom um, 
uh, by a director who is not interested in Venom. It also is just a mishmash into the world building of what the previous few films did. I don't can't see Venom fitting into Sam Raimi's vision of Spider-Man, and somehow I think the film doesn't help itself with Sam Raimi's finish of Spider-Man. Sorry, vision of Spider-Man is you know it's Peter Parker. He's just just too. It's just too like you know. I've said I've said I've said this like for previous episodes. You know, it's a Mary Jane. Will you just you know if I, if I could just be like you know, it's that kind of thing. And I think by the time the third film, we're just done with that, and that's a problem in itself. There are individual things in this film that are good and they're actually complete. Are actually are well handled. You know, this isn't like you know completely redundant. By no means, but I think it's just compromised on a number of things, and it's just a weird sort of mishmash of other stuff that it's hard to sort of put to to pinpoint just one reason why why this film uh, fails. Um, in many ways, it's probably better if they just left Venom and then I'm and left that to another director t- to pick up with the series from. I don't know. I think it. I think it's just you know. I, th- I think it's just like where we are at the time. It was probably the wrong decision to, to do it at that time. I don't know. But at the end of the day, it ain't a very good film. <laughs> I um, I think uh, the there are so many things in this film that by themselves would sink the film. Like, I think the thing I was angriest about first time was the treatment of Venom. Because there was so much hype around it, those shots were in all the trailers. You know, the symbiote saga was finally being done. I had, I was very skeptical going in because I was a little bit. But you got these other villains. It's not going to be just about Venom, is it? But you know, the trailer of of Brock being finally encased in the, you know, and leaping towards the camera was in the trailer. It looked like it was going to be really kind of cool. And I went in, and it, you know. He's in the suit for a couple of minutes and he keeps exposing his face. It was the biggest thing with Sam Raimi is stop feeling the need. You have to show the actor's face. Believe in the in the costumes, please. Because it's frustrating and it just Mm. takes me out every single fucking time. It's like you don't have to take his, you know, mask off so I can see what Toby thinks about it. You know, it's just let them act, let them do what they do. You know, let the characters, you know, act out the agency, I mean. Um, so that was a problem. But then Flint Marco, it's like, well, well played, good look, nice effects for the time. But the characters are fucking misery guts all the way through. And my daughter, my daughter, my daughter is lazy. And then you've got the Mary Jane Peter stuff. And it's like, well, you've had two films to sell an investment in these two. And you haven't done it for me. Neither of them are particularly likable. They have no chemistry. He's infatuated with her. He doesn't love her. As I say, the line from Frasier, he's in love at her, not with her. Mm. Um, she's a mis- She's been a misery guts for three films. Well, the films explain why and their valid reasons. But, like, what pleasure is anyone getting out of any of this? They have one nice moment laying in, like, a web hammock. That's it. Um, James Franco, utterly fucking insufferable. And then they they use an amnesia storyline that on its own would sink a film that that's barely worthy of a daytime soap opera. 
I'm, I'm talking American style because our soap operas don't quite work like that. A bit, I, I, but it does go into a bit dirty den territory where, where he remembers and starts trying to break up. You know what I mean? Like blackmails her to break up with. Do you know what I mean? But even that, it's all over in seconds because yeah. they're rushing from one thing to another. The bottom line is Sam Raimi didn't really have a film here. Sony didn't know what they wanted to do, but they wanted to force in certain elements. You know, with Batman, when they went to Nolan for the third film and said, it'll be the Riddler, won't it? What about Leo? And he went, that's not what I'm doing at all. He'd earned enough cachet to just do what he wanted. And I don't love The Dark Knight Rises, but at least, like, they, they committed to, like, trusting him. I don't think a ton of interference and cramming certain villains in would have helped. Um, Sam Raimi's heart's not in this. Not really. You know, I don't think so anyway. His character work is fairly poor anyway. And as a bottom line, it's got two leads that I don't like. You know, uh, Kirsten Dunst, I don't wildly dislike either, but she's not served by the material. Toby Maguire, I couldn't wait for him to be out of the suit. When they announced a fourth one that was going to be like three or four years on, I thought I'm going to have to wait four years for another wine fest from this guy who by then is going to be pushing 40 anyway. Like, give it a fucking rest. Um, what's coming has a lot of flaws, but its two leads are not amongst them. At the end of this, whatever the relative pleasures of the first two film and put in something that felt like a comic book on the screen, you know, when that was a novelty and a great deal of gratitude in me for getting an opportunity to see that by the end of this film it had pissed it away so comprehensively that I, I was just hoping it was done and as it turned out it was and you know kind of good riddance to it I know this is kind of a lot of people's incarnation but this is this is pretty poor uh, and it's the worst kind of poor it's poor with a good budget budget and them having like thought at the time they'd made something worthwhile with Batman and Robin, he committed with a, to a vision that didn't work. This is in line with the first two films. It's not like a soft reboot or anything. It's just lazy. The script's not there. The vision's not there. And it's just not very good. But, having said that, do you feel like you know the That's film? all fakes. Do I feel that I what, Chris? That you know the film. Oh, you're asking me something now. Um, oh, God, mm. I've just... I've just embarrassed myself, haven't I? I've just been really quite strong on this film and I've just realised I, I don't know anything about who's in it. So, <laughs> um, to- uh... Emo. Toby Hooper. Yes, Toby Hooper. Toby Joe. That's not who I would have cast in a Spider-Man film. That's really Toby odd. Jones. Perhaps, um, perhaps uh, Becca can explain a bit more to Edward, me. So Edward I can Snowden. Understand. There you are. Edward, Edward <laughs> Snowden's in it. And, uh, Edward so, Van Glockenspiel. The, the, the villain's Thomas Jane, isn't it? Yes. Okay, and uh, Rosemary and Time as as uh, the mill. Rosemary and Time as the Herb Sisters, gardening detective duo. Yeah, handy. They were called Rosemary and Time, wasn't it? Given they were garden based and stuff. <laughs> you know, were they actually working out of Midsummer? Yeah. Anyway, Becca. This film was so boring. I'm looking forward to my bedtime. Um. <laughs> That's it's fun facts. That's all, folks. <laughs> I've got a busy day tomorrow. Um, yes, fun facts, and I've also got a bonus fact at the end. So, uh, yeah, fun fact number one: um, in Harry's lab, you can kind of see a lot of um, 
nods um, to Green Goblin. Obviously, the fear of as well as Green Goblin Mask in the previous couple of films, and also Hobgoblin Mask, which is a callback to the comics. Fun fact number two. Um, this is one of those little listicle type facts, but I thought it was pretty cool. Obviously, so um, obviously now since this film, we've had a few other comic book movies. You might have heard of them. Um, but Sam Raimi was the first director to do three um, superhero movies in in a in a row. Um, by that time, Brian Singer had only made two X Men films. Tim, Tim Burton and Joel Schumacher had only done the two Batman movies. Um, and then, of course, Richard Brian Singer came back stuff. to make those Future Past. So he kind of tacks on the end of that one. So he kind of does a bit of bookending there. Um, but obviously now we've had obviously the Marvel and, and those kind of things so that kind of overrides that. Um, fact number three um, as we mentioned at the top of the show this is like one of the highest grossing films of 2007 um, and the movie's IMAX screenings watched $20 million in 30 days which at, at the time was the fastest for a 2D film to be remastered in that format um, and it was the most successful US movie not to be nominated for an Oscar although that's since been replaced by like Dark Knight and Hunger Games sequels um, fun fact number four um, oh, the Dark Knight sequels. I was going to say Heath Ledger. No, you're right. Oh, the sorry. Dark, no, yeah, the Dark Knight movies and the Hunger Games yeah. like sequels. For example, um, whatever it was called, Catching Fire, or whatever it's called. I can't remember. It was a long time ago now. Um, but yeah, because obviously they they grossed really highly when they came out, but they weren't nominated for any Oscars. I don't think. The bizarre thing about just as as an aside, the bizarre thing about the Hunger Games is um, the films. Uh, is they're a bit like Avatar in that for the amount of popularity they had, they had no lasting pop cultural influence at all. I'm sure there's a sub sub subset of demographic who like the books and stuff like that, but they haven't seeped into like film. The amount of money they not took, as much. No. no, you don't get cosplaying around it. You don't get much conversation around it. No, I think of, you, you see a little of like sort of Katniss, um, like cosplaying as well. But yeah, I'd say she's probably. You know, maybe give it a few years, I think. I think uh, it did note the series went out with a bit of a wet fart. I think that's probably what happened. Think, yeah. it, it did seem to sort of like outstate its welcome movie-wise. It yeah, was massive, kind of yeah, it was massive for a couple. And uh, the penultimate one sort of set up the final one quite well, but then mm. Felix, Philip Seymour Hoffman died and the final film was dreadful anyway. Mm. Avatar is a bit difficult though, isn't it? Because it's, mm. you know... Certainly um, within the realm of like costume and that as well, so it's quite interesting. I think it can be done. Anyway, sorry, camera. Um, let's have a look. But anyway, fun fact number four. Um, apparently, in the comics, it's Reed Richards from Fantastic Four who discovers that the like symbiote is actually an alien. Um, however, obviously, the rights of this character owned by 20th Century Fox, um, so that's kind of why it was changed to Kurt Connors in in this film. Who obviously we'll see next time around. Um, and obviously, Hornblower knows who it, what it is. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Yes, so fun fact number five. Um, this is obviously the longest film in the series, um, or this original trilogy anyway. Um, and it's the first to have the main villain alive at the end. He kind of disappears into the ether, as you know, whisked, off, whisked away by the wind, but he still survives, so there we are. Um, and it's the first film not to end with Spidey swinging around the city, as he usually likes to do. Um, bonus fact, obviously, us three are really big fans of um, Now Playing Podcast. Um, it's been a huge influence on us on, on this show. Um, and so this is the first film re- actually reviewed on Now Playing Podcast. Um, and there's one of about 13, 14, 15 films um, to be reviewed twice. Obviously once upon release and then again on the, um, on the, um, on the retrospective 
series. I always find their um, I always find their sort of anniversaries slightly disingenuous because they didn't start doing retrospectives until sort of late two thousand and eight. No, it was quite uh, late in the Spider-Man game, wasn't Man it? Spider Man Three so. was the first one they recorded where like two of them just sat in a car park after seeing the film yeah, they a bit did. of a rant on it i've never even heard it because <laughs> now playing to me they can count episodes however that they liked but they as far as i'm concerned they started with friday the 13th they did definitely but yeah it just depends on how you look at it really but i think this is one of like the very first sort of well, it's they their show. They're, well they're welcome to say which is their first and well, exactly. correct, this is, it's their format it's so. not it's not the format they do now it's not the no it's obviously you know, it's been going same thing well, you know, ten plus years, so they're going to, you know, they're going to change their format, change the cast, you know, not cast. Um, well, it changed about eighteen months later. Presenter lineup. Like that, and, the, and yeah, they've got to keep it fresh, aren't they? Been going for many years, so. Yeah. But yeah, I think the first time they reviewed this film, oh, um, obviously it got recommend and two non recommends, and the second time round, it was three firm, three solid, you know, red arrows pointing down, three solid not recommends. So, but yeah, I thought that was quite interesting. <laughs> A little bit about the history there, which is always good to know. Yeah, it's one of those films I just found a bit tiresome more than anything else. I was just like, oh, whatever. But um, anyway, was that the bonus fact? That's the, that's a, not really bonus, but bonus fact. I just thought it was quite interesting. No, no, no. Um, no, no, no. So, as we're all uh, fans uh, of the show. I, I used to be a bigger fan of No Playing than I now am, not because they're doing anything wrong, but they've monetized more and more, and I can't be asked paying for 35 different podcasts a year and stuff like that and two different campaigns. Yeah, and plus some of the and stuff I, they monetized in the past is now readily available, and it's like, they, oh. They've now done so many that they're running out of interesting things, so a, an awful lot of the time they'll release an episode on a Tuesday and I'll just look at it and delete it immediately because it's not on, on a subject I'm interested in. They're very accomplished. They're very... They're very different from us, and that's not an insult. They're, they're a lot more They've professional. Done all the films. They're a lot more professional than us, but I think that's also their greatest fault. Um, anyway, as for social media, you can find me at the Pasty Kid nineteen seventy six on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at uh, on Twitter at Cinematrix. You can also find all the old episodes at Cinematrix.co.uk. And you can find us on Twitter at Expect This Talk, and also on Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Podbean and wherever you download this podcast into your earballs um, at do you expect us to talk and if you want you can drop us an email do you expect us to talk at gmail.com no expect us to talk at gmail.com yeah, yeah that's do what I mean <laughs> sorry <do you laughs> that's alright at gmail.com yeah um, and, 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 if, and if you still considering banging Sally Field which is now becoming relevant again as we get on <laughs> in this series closer. write to us at expect us to talk at gmail.com uh, because next time Peter Parker is going back to school, which means Becca. Spidey sense is tingling once more as Do You Expect to Talk returns with the amazing Spider Man.